Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Sports animals are in for Bobby Curran on ESPN Honolulu. It's Chris Hart and Gary Dickman. Uh, Tanner Hayworth is at the controls. Uh, top headlines we're looking at starting with today. More quarterbacks now in line for raises like Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow certainly deserves it after last year, still early in his career. I think Lamar Jackson also on the top of that list. Yeah, the Chicago's mayor. This is, I guess it's a slow news day, but Chicago's mayor is pitching for a dome for Soldier Field to try and get the Bears to stay. The Bears are like, nah, no need. I like that. I, would, I mean, I'm a traditionalist. I hope they can stay there. It'll increase attendance by almost 10,000. And, you know, it's one of those more famous football stadiums. I hope they can work something out. Right. And Kyler Murray, it's all football uh, so far today, but uh, Kyler Murray's contract has a homework clause. I have never heard of anything like that. Four hours of required film study. And I also wonder how that got leaked out as well. Mm-hmm. And that that was one of the craziest stories. We've never heard anything quite like that. And, uh, I mean, for the contract he signed to see something like that. Again, part of it is who leaked that. How did that get out there? I know Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach, is going to be speaking to the media today. I'm sure that will be the focus of many questions there. But the clause is like he can't be doing anything else while he does it. Like he can't be playing video games. He can't be on his iPad. can't be at a team meeting. He has to be watching four hours of film a week besides what the team gives him. That is just crazy. It should be easy to accomplish, but that is really, to say the least, unusual of anything I've ever heard in an NFL contract. Yeah. The, it's, it's really head-scratching. This is a guy – that you're going to give $230 million or whatever, I don't remember how much the contract, hundreds of millions of dollars. Yet you don't trust the guy enough to do his homework. And obviously he can't be trusted to do his homework. The quarterback is the most important position on, on any NFL team, any college team. Yet this guy won't put in the work. So much so that they have to write it into his contract. It's almost like they're saying, hey, yeah, this is guaranteed, but we have an out because we know this guy isn't going to do his homework. How do Earlier they check in the on year, that? Er, late last year, late la- last year, he was in an interview on a radio station in Arizona, and uh, he admits he doesn't watch film. His quote is, I think I was blessed with the cognitive skills to just go out there and just see it before it happens. I'm just not one of those guys that's going to sit there and kill myself watching film. I don't sit there for 24 hours and break down this team and that team and watch every game because in my head I see so much. (laughs) I mean, this is a guy 
that 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 scrubbed his <laughs> scrubbed his social media account it just you know to wipe out any any uh any photos of him or anything to do with the Arizona Cardinals because he was pouting about something yet he got signed he goes oh I always wanted to be there anyway the more I read about Kyler Murray, the more he moves up my list, inching towards Kevin Durant and James Harden and Kyrie <laughs> Irving. What I, this is the this is the most important four hour. How many how many hours a day is that? A little over half an hour a day. They want you to sit down and watch film. Don't don't turn on the TV and and just have it on the side and say yeah I, I kept an eye on it. They want you to study. And for three years, you haven't been studying film. So you're coming out going, yeah, I don't really need to. I'm so good. Boy, that's dangerous. That's a dangerous way to think at such a young age. I don't think Kyler Murray is going to be in the league that much longer. I really don't. When he signed that contract or agreed to the contract terms last week, and I know everybody's getting overpaid and the contracts are getting higher and higher, especially for quarterbacks, I thought it was way overpaid for a guy like that at $46 million a year, 46.1. I think they're going to come to regret it, and partly because of that news about the film study. You know, on one hand, you can say, wow, he's been pretty good on the field considering he doesn't watch film. But on the other side, you can say, imagine how much better he would be if he does. And I guess that's what they're trying to get out of him. But I, I think it's actually kind of embarrassing for Kyler Murray. It's almost embarrassing yeah. for Arizona as well to have to acknowledge mm-hmm. this. And I'm sure Kyler Murray is going to be asked about it. I'm sure he's going to get a little tired of the questions oh, gonna, after a while. Right. He's going to get mad. It's a big distraction now. But he's going to be upset, and he's going to walk off of the press conference or not grant any press conference and just get fines. And somehow this will be Arizona, the, the organization's fault, not his. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's gonna. This marriage will have a happy ending. I'm with you on that. I don't know about in the league, but as a perennial starter, I mean, now there's even more pressure on him. And again, on one side, four, four hours doesn't seem like a lot. As you said, a little over a half hour a day. It's not. It's not a lot. You know, take this to somebody like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. You think you had to say, "Hey, hey, Eli, Peyton, you know, uh, Tom, we really need you to watch. We really need you to watch film." I was watching something, I think it was on the NFL Network or NFL Live on ESPN last night, and they said, you know, they, pro- they should have a, they should have a, they probably had a clause in Peyton Manning's contract. You need to take four hours a week and spend it with your family because he <laughs> yeah. watches too much film. Uh, again, this is a billion-dollar company, billions of dollars this team is worth. That's how much sport, pro franchises are worth in the NFL. And this is the guy that's going to lead you to a Super Bowl. This is the guy that you're you're going to trust, a, 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 a whiny baby who won't do his homework, and in his mind is, oh, I'm already smarter than everybody else. Oh, that film watching, that's that's for Hall of Famers, not me. I, I, I see it before it happens. Four hours seems actually really easy, or maybe not easy, but really minimal. I would think four hours a day, and they wouldn't be asking too much for a guy that's making $46 million for a year. He's getting off light on that. But are they going to test him on it every week? I mean, are they gonna me- how are they going to measure him? Was it three hours and 40 minutes? Does he have to log it in and, you know, have it verified by somebody that he actually well, watched it? Well, I mean, you can, you, can, you can do that, you know, with today's technology. But is he going to have to? Is he, are they going to trust him to prove his four hours, or are they going to take his word on that? I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, it's you know when they say, I, I mean, it's 
You're ta- it's like you're talking to a 10-year-old. You have to do your homework, but you can't have the TV on. <laughs> you can't open up you can't open up the iPad and then just play video games. In today's world, you can uh, with uh, a lot of the uh, people working remotely. You ha- you have to lo- you can log on to a computer and they can tell at work if you're working or not. And the way to get around that a lot of people do is they'll, they'll you have to move your mouse every once in a while. So, you know, it's, you, know it's, 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 you just move your mouse, you know, move it around a little while, then go watch TV for an hour, come back, move your mouse around <laughs> on your computer a little while. I mean, there's ways to get around it. But I'm guessing that, you know, and you're going to watch a lot of film during in film sessions in the quarterback room and with your team anyway. Yeah. But they'll be able to tell if he's, you know, if there's no, if there isn't any improvement in what he's doing out there. I don't know. I just it's it's it, it bothers me a guy that cannot throw from the pocket, and he can't. He can't throw. He do he can't do a simple thing like throw passes from the pocket. He's too small, and it's documented. He needs to roll out to be at his best. It's I don't know. It's you have no choice. You have to sign him, because he's a good enough quarterback on the field. He is, and that comes at a premium today. Look at somebody like the. Uh, Oh, I don't know. Who's been looking? Look at the Chicago Bears or the Denver Broncos for years. Years they've been looking for a quarterback, and they can't find one no matter what they do. You don't want to be in that situation either. You don't want to go, you don't want to go okay, we've got Justin Fields coming up, but let's, let's all pull behind him. When everyone else is going, oh, no, we got Justin Fields coming up. How do we pull behind this guy? That's true. You but- had to sign him. You had yeah. to sign him. But did you have to overpay for him? And I still, again, oh, I. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. You, yes, you, yes, you do. For Kyler Murray, that's you had to overpay? That's what, that's what they're going. They're not going to give him. He's not going to stay there for $10 million a year. He's gone after that. Somebody will take him. The, the Chicago Bears will take him. The Seattle Seahawks will take him. He's good on the field. Just he a head good. case already. But $46 million, I mean, I, I know that when you talked about him scrubbing the social media stuff for Arizona, that was because he wanted more money. Debo Samuel did the same thing. But he, they're negotiating against themselves. Right now he's under contract, <laughs> and I know he wouldn't be in, I guess, a year or so. Still, I, I, I mean, a, a other, let's but, say he's a free agent. Are other teams going to give this guy $45 million a year? I, don't, I yep. wonder. I mean, I know, you like you said, it's a premium to get that guy that position, but you think Seattle but would have paid $45 the, million for him? The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – gave Antonio Brown a job. The Cleveland Browns gave an, un, an unbelievable deal to Deshaun Watson. But those guys I are mean, good. It, those guys are criminals. The well, criminals Kyler yeah. Murray's, you, you're saying that Kyler Murray isn't good? He's good, but he's not elite. Yeah, I know. But again, what did I just say? That's what you, that, If you want to play in the game, that's how, that's how you got to do it, especially with a whiny baby pouty quarterback who's easily offended by which way the wind blows i don't even know what that means it's early but i mean a guy that gets it's it's like okay we got to take it it's it, it, two years from now when his con when his contract's up or whenever it is he'll be all yeah remember two years ago you didn't give me a raise i'm i'm out it's the way these guys think and he had the option it, of it's baseball Tanner Hayworth's generation that's the way they think <laughs> it's his fault it's his fault I, again I, I think they'll regret it I think there's more pressure on him and we all know how tough Good. that division is where it I gives mean, us somebody to root against 
Yeah, it's going to be tough for them. Not maybe not to make. Well, it's going to be tough to make the playoffs. I know they made it last year. They had that seven and zero start, and they really fell apart in the second half of the year. You don't have DeAndre Hopkins for I believe six games to start the season. Christian Kirk mm-hmm. isn't there anymore. You're still a good team, of course. But you're not quite the same. And I, I just think, again, in that division, I don't think Seattle necessarily got better. I think they took maybe another step backwards without Russell Wilson. Seattle's, def- Seattle's defense is doing okay. Seattle's but they don't a have a quarterback They're starting yet. to build their – yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. So, so the Niners and the Rams well, Wait, who do they in. have? Where's Drew Locke? Is, it, Drew, is he with Seattle? Yeah, Drew oh, okay. Locke and Geno Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've got to laugh out of that. But I just don't think they're necessarily in a really good position, and I'm not sure if it's too much fault of their own. But Kyler Murray has really got more pressure on him, and if they don't make the playoffs this year, imagine the scrutiny again. I mean, I don't know what else they could do to their roster. DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best receivers when he's healthy, when he's unsus- when he's not suspended. But that's going to be tough. And, again, I think they're going to regret it. I think he's overpaid like a lot of other players. I know that comes with the quarterback position. It comes with the territory. But this part about it, I, I just wonder how he's going to respond to it. If he's going to be pouting, like you said a few minutes ago, I just don't think it's a really healthy situation for this team looking ahead. And uh, it's already going to be tough enough without DeAndre Hopkins and some of the other losses they have there. And, uh, again, if they don't make the playoffs, Cliff Kingsbury could be gone. And I have a feeling this is kind of be kind of like a time bomb ready to explode for Arizona. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. It, it, you know, and it's fun, and you laugh because – what are we talking about? We're talking about entertainers, and we're all gonna, we all get to sit by and watch this real drama. This should be a series on Netflix. It really should be. This should, I'd love to. I'd love to be up close and personal on uh, one of those uh, documentaries. What do you call it? Uh, the one you always watch, Hard, Hard Knocks. Knocks or something. Hard Knocks or the other one that's on uh, on uh, Prime Video or Prime whatever it's called. You, you know, and and go through the and. and and hear conversations with Kyler Murray already in photos, and maybe I'm, I've got I, I, I'm too prejudiced against him. But already you look at photos, and you notice he's never smiling in any of them. He's, he's, he's just look at look at some of the articles on this. There's photos of him eating dinner with somebody. Just he just got a big pouty face. He's upset at the world. And it's like why? Why are you so upset? Why are you so mad at everything? I don't get it. You can also go back in a way to when he got drafted by the Oakland A's, and I believe he signed with them and was committed to them, saying he was going to play baseball. And then he does an about-face. Of course, football offered him more money, but it also shows maybe the lack of commitment on his end from back then as well. Yeah, he made pouty face for, to Oakland as well, Well, because he was trying to make a point. Hey, look, everyone, I can do anything I want, and I don't need to watch film. You know, watch him, watch him, watch his next thing be, I should just go back to baseball. I mean – I don't know the the compare I I compare Kyler Murray to somebody like Sergio Garcia. I really do. <laughs> the pouty babies. Coming up in a few minutes, uh, Kenny Anderson is going to join us. For folks who don't remember Kenny Anderson, go could you great great player. One of the best point guards to come out of New York City. There's a Showtime documentary starting on Friday called New York City Point Gods because of all the great point guards coming out of New York City. He was the second overall pick out of Georgia Tech by the New Jersey Nets at the time. was an all-star with Derek Coleman. His career, as far as being on top of the NBA, as far as that position, didn't last very long, but he was still a really good point guard coming out. One of the best ever in the country coming out of high school, and New York City is famous for their point guards. We'll talk about 
about Pearl Washington, Safan Marbury, some of the other great point guards. But look, really looking forward to this documentary on Friday. I would love to get his thoughts on point guards and his list as far as who might be the top New York City point guards of all time as well. All right, so he's coming up next here. And a little later on this morning, we're going to go down memory lane with Coach Vince Goo. All coming up with the Sports Animals in the morning on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. You are listening to the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at 296-1420. This is going to be a lot of fun with Gary Dickman and Chris Hart, the animals here for the Bobby Curran Show. And we talked about this a few minutes ago, a great documentary premiering on Showtime this Friday night called New York City Point Gods, talking about the great point guards coming out of New York City over the years. Joining us now on ESPN Honolulu, one of the best ever out of New York City, Kenny Anderson joins us. Kenny, great to talk to you. Uh, coming from New York, I remember growing up and thinking Kenny Anderson and Pearl Washington were my two favorite point guards out of New York City. Tell us, why does New York City have so many great point guards over the last 30 years or so that have come out of the playgrounds and done very well in college and the NBA? Yes, I, I just think it's, 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 it's the way of life up here. It was the way of life up here, just playing in the, in the, in the playgrounds, uh, the culture. Um, you're just, just going hard. You know, you know you had to win to go out there and compete, and um, that's what the guys did. You know, if you, if you played in the playground, you, you had to no crying, go out there and play hard. <laughs> And compete, and that's what I did. I'm only six two, and I was 180 pounds, soaking wet. So I have to give it my all. And uh, uh, in the summer, every barrel was awesome. I, I'm from Queens, but I went to Manhattan, Brooklyn, Bronx. So you know, you had to you had to get it, man. And, and I wanted to be known in every barrel the best. So my my mentor Vincent Smith he said we got to go to certain girls and play so you can get that name not so much the name but so much the ability right the ability to get your, your game up you know far as competing Amongst the point guards featured on this documentary, New York City point guards, Rafer Alston, who he saw at Fresno State play against Hawaii in his college career, Mark Jackson, another great one, Stephon Marbury, God Sham God, who played great in college in the NBA as well, Kenny the Jet Smith, Rod Strickland, and Dwayne the Pearl Washington. Besides yourself, Kenny, how would you rank some of the great point guards of New York City overall? I, I, just, there's so many of us. So many of great point guards. I, I, I wouldn't rank it because, you know, it's just an error. You can do an error, but the, the but the best point guard, in my opinion, in New York City was Colonel Washington. Rest in peace. He, he's just iconic, you know, uh, how he, the, the penetration skills, the ball handling, the passing. Uh, he was just great at Syracuse. He was the man. He, again, one of my favorites, as I mentioned as well. We're talking with Kenny Anderson, former Georgia Tech star, coming out of New York City, and in the NBA, the second pick overall by the New Jersey Nets. The Showtime documentary, New York City Point Guard, premieres Friday night at 9 p.m. Check your listings for that. Do you think the New York City Point Guards have changed the way point guards either are viewed or how they evolve from maybe the 80s and 90s to the 2000s? Yeah, you know, the, the New York City point guard of 80-90 was just awesome. The game has changed. 
you know, with the lanes open, the three-pointers. And, 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 you know, a lot of us was a three-point. I think the best three-point shooter in, in our class, well, Kenny Smith was a great three-point shooter. He played with the Houston Rockets. You know, um, but, but our ball handling skills, our penetration skills, getting to the basket, layups and things like that was awesome. But, you know, shooting wasn't, wasn't our big, wasn't in our bag of tricks until we, you, you had to practice it. We had to get better at it. I was watching the trailer for this great documentary, and I forget which point guard said it, but he was dribbling the basketball, and he said, the point guards in New York, they'll give up their girl, they'll give up their chain before they give up the rock. What a great quote that is. Yeah, it was awesome. Stephon Marbury stated that. Every time I hear it, I wanted to laugh because it's so true. You know, we, we ain't going to give up the rock. We're going to keep, you know, Ball Island. Ball Island is exceptional it's through, through it all, man. Uh, it just was awesome. All the point guards that you said could handle the rock. Who do you admire when you look at point guards in the NBA today? Um, Steph, Steph, Steph Terry, uh, Damian Lillard, and Kyrie Irving. Those are the three. They're just awesome players. They give it to you however. Jump shooting, layups, everything. You can tell that they, they practice on their skills very much. Kenny, for our listeners who are hopefully going to be uh, watching this starting on Friday night on Showtime, what would you say to them as far as what you want them to experience and enjoy of this great documentary? I, mean, I want you to experience just the, the skill level and, the, you know, how they how we played the game uh, growing up in New York and uh, our point guard um, skill, you know, um, you, 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 and see, in, in any era, these guys, we were competitive. We were competitive in our culture, how, how it changed the culture of, 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 of being a point guard in New York City at the time. It just was awesome. Do you still play today? No, I coach. I'm a coach at our Fish University in Nashville, and I shoot around, but I don't, I don't run up and down like I used to. I think a lot of us could say the same thing. You know, as I mentioned, you were drafted number two overall in the 91 draft by the New Jersey Nets back then. Growing up in New York, you either like the Nets or the Knicks. You can't really like both, although I do now. I didn't when I lived there. What was it like for you getting drafted by the New Jersey Nets in 91? Oh, it was awesome. You know, I, I wanted to be, you know, close to home, and I was right over the bridge. So when I got drafted, my mom was there. We, family it was just crazy, but, you know, we we had a great team. We were building on something special there in New Jersey, but then Jonathan Petrovic uh, passed away, and that's when it all you know went haywire. We traded everybody out of there. But New Jersey was a great experience for me, being in the uh, NBA uh, the first my first years. I made the All Star team in '94. Played with Derek Coleman, Jonathan Petrovic. This is awesome, man. Yeah, those are great teams. I remember the Meadowlands so well then. You know, Kenny, a few minutes ago you mentioned how maybe Kenny Smith might have been maybe the best three-point shooter amongst the New York City point guards. What about just strictly ball handler? Who would you put at the top of that list? I know you mentioned the Pearl a little bit earlier. Would he, would he be the number one guard as far as dribbling and ball control? Uh, Rod Strickland was an awesome point guard with the ball handling. Pearl Washington. You know, Mark, Mark Jackson was a, uh, just an orchestrator at the point guard. He just he, he, his vision is high floating, but but just so many great point guards you can learn from. 
we pick up things from, and uh, those are those are great. Stephon Marbury, uh, um, Sham Guard with the Sham Guard handle with the dribbling. It just, it just was awesome, you know, looking and, and picking up things from those guys and learning from them guys the way they played the game of basketball the right way. I love some of the descriptions of this documentary, New York City Point Guards, on Friday, starting Friday on Showtime, talking about the point guards with dizzying ball control, stylish misdirection in the shake-and-bake game. That is perfect to describe what you'll see on Friday, and it should be a fantastic documentary. Really looking forward to it. Kenny, thank you so much for joining us. Always been a big fan, and we'll look forward to seeing the documentary uh, starting Friday night. Thanks again. Okay, thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much. That was a former NBA point guard, did a great job at Georgia Tech. Kenny Anderson joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. Remember, NYC or New York City Point Guards premieres Friday night. It's a feature-length documentary, and seeing the trailer, I'm really excited about it. Some of the greats who have uh, performed in New York City High School, legendary there. And Kevin Durant, one of Chris's favorites, is one of the uh, producers of this documentary as well. we got a little bit more basketball later, a lot more football coming up with the sports analyst on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by PVT Land Company, supporting academics, athletics, and the community on the YNI Coast. Gary and Chris here. You can call, call or text, of course, at 808-296-1420. Most NFL teams have either been in camp with the veterans or even started practice already. And by the end of this week, everybody will be in full swing. And I love saying this as we talk so much about the countdown for Hawaii football. This is the last week without NFL football or any football until February. That has a nice ring to it. The, the Hall of Fame game will take place a week from Friday on the 5th. So I was watching Ryan Clark was on one of the ESPN shows. I'm not sure if it was first take or one of the others. I just caught a glimpse earlier, and he was uh, talking about the top five quarterbacks with the most pressure on them this year to win. And in order, he has Lamar Jackson, Tua, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Carson Wentz. I didn't like or agree that he has Lamar Jackson at number one. He's up for a new contract. We know that. We know he was hurt last year. But to compare him with the other four, I don't think he belongs in that group. I think, I mean, he's a former MVP. Why does he have to prove so much? I think he's gotten better with his throwing. You've talked about that uh, a few times this uh, summer. And to include him with those guys, I can understand if you're talking about Tua and Baker with a new team, Kyler Murray maybe the new contract, Carson Wentz a new team. Lamar Jackson, I don't understand why he faces seemingly a lot of scrutiny. And maybe I'm seeing it more on Twitter or on talk shows, but people are talking about him, and it's almost like he's a second-year player who still has to prove his worth. And I just don't get that. I can understand the health part. I don't normally blame a player for their injuries. I know we talked about Kevin Durant and his recent injury. We talk about big centers in the NBA with injuries. It's nothing they can really control for the most part. But Lamar Jackson on the field, 
I think he's done more than a, a good job. I would probably put him in the top five, easily the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm not sure about top five today, probably not top five, but top ten. And I just don't understand the scrutiny, and I really respect Ryan Clark. I think he's really smart. I, I love how he's honest. I don't think he, you know, tried to use player speak or coach speak, but I didn't like that Lamar Jackson was included with that group. Who was in the group again? Okay, it was Lamar Jackson, Tua Tungvaluwa, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Carson Wentz, the top five quarterbacks with something to prove this year. Mm. Yeah, I don't know that you're putting him down. I don't know that Ryan – I don't think Ryan Clark was putting him down at all without hearing the comments. But the – um, he's just saying you got something to prove. They were, like I said yesterday, I mean, they had 13 injuries on their team before they broke training camp last year. They had problems with COVID. He had problems with COVID. It was just that they had a bad offensive line due to injury. I mean, they just didn't, they couldn't get it going. So he needs to come back and prove, hey, it's okay if you're hurt, but you got to come back and prove that you're worthy of this contract that you're that you should be getting pretty soon that you'd be able to lead these guys out. And uh, I know they just signed another Was it them that signed uh, Clement, the running back? I mean, they're still, you know, got guys injured from last year that aren't healthy yet, but I think he's got a lot to prove and show everyone that he's, he is the, the an MVP caliber quarterback. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you got to remind everyone of who you are. I think there are other – I mean, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, I know they're only in their second year. I think they have something to prove. Mac Jones had a great start, didn't have a great finish to his rookie season. I'm not trying to put him down, but I would think guys like that. I would think, you know, Drew Locke, now that he's in, I guess, his fourth year, I believe, uh, I would think he has something to prove. You know, is he a legitimate NFL quarterback? Yeah, I think that – I don't know that Drew Locke you put in a conversation of – Drew Locke is a placeholder until they, somebody finds a quarterback. That's all he'll ever be. So nobody's looking for Drew Locke to show us something. He's already showed it how good he can be, and it's he's a great – he'll be a career backup and earn millions of dollars doing it. But I would think Seattle thinks he has something to prove to see if he is maybe their future, at least he's short not. term. They, they know he's not their future. But that's kind of another point I want to bring up. That's not what they're saying, and I, I agree with you that he's probably not their long-term solution. So many teams seemingly are putting – I don't think the teams are necessarily doing, but I'm reading positive comments about so many quarterbacks that they're so improved in the offseason. They're really taking a step forward. And guys like Zach Wilson, oh, he had a great offseason. He is really ready to unload this year. His teammates oh. are saying it. The media are saying it. I hope That's great. they're partially right. But I don't buy it. I mean, I've never yeah. heard of an NFL team or an NFL quarterback where at this time of the year – People are saying, you know, he didn't really have a good offseason. He didn't look good in OTAs. You never hear that. You're only hearing positive yeah, no, things. No, no, you hear the the Arizona Cardinals say, "We'll give you a we'll give you a contract uh, to our starting quarterback." But dude, you got to do you got to watch four hours of film a week. So they are saying it in other ways. Nobody says nobody's going to come out and say, "Oh, the guy was lousy." But Bill Belichick will come out and he'll say, "Well, the guy's got a lot to prove. We'll see what happens." I don't he, I, I don't have I don't think that Bill Belichick would lie. Why would he? Why would he hype up Mac Jones? Well, he, I think he's. He well, did. what? He did yeah. hype him up. He was. But maybe. But I don't think that Bill Belichick is doing that for what? What? What does he gain by going? Look at how great he is. What great improvement he's made. That's not Bill Belichick. 
Don't he's not, check he's the not media a part of the hype machine. What is he trying to sell tickets? They don't need to sell tickets. Bill Belichick will tell you how it is. And if he didn't think Mac Jones is ready, I don't think he'd throw him under the bus, but he'd say, well, we'll see. You know, we, we haven't played a game yet this year. You know exactly that's what he would say. I would, I I would, would I'm not buying it, Dickman. <laughs> not buy or sell. I, I would think with Belichick there could be an exception. But, I mean, Daniel Jones, a thing said about him is almost like, you know, he's going to be one of the top starters in the NFC, if not the NFL, with what his teammates and coaches are saying about him. Same with Zach Wilson. Uh, I don't know. I think you're reading too much into that. They're just saying, look how much he's improved. Look at Lamar Jackson. Have you seen Lamar Jackson? Have you seen a recent photo of Lamar Jackson? Have you seen uh, yeah. what he's done in the offseason? You have no. No. Why are you bringing this up if you're not prepared to argue it? I am Dickman? prepared. Oh, boy. Well, well, yeah. Well, you haven't even seen what Lamar Jackson has done in the offseason. I'm saying you he doesn't have to prove himself. I'm saying he doesn't need to. He's already proven him. He already has proven himself. Well, he's, but he needs to prove himself all over again because he had the Ravens had such a bad year last year. But was that his fault? I don't think it was. You just said all the injuries they had. I don't think it was his fault that they had an, a bad year. He doesn't have the same completion percentage that he had a couple of years ago. He hasn't, uh, let's see, he hasn't thrown for n- nearly as many uh, touchdowns. He's thrown for a lot more interceptions. Granted, he doesn't have an offensive line. But on paper, Lamar Jackson, when he played in the 12 games he played last year, he wasn't very good. So he has something to prove. Now, if you're going to bring up a topic on this radio show, be prepared. Okay, you got to me... bring something to the party, Dickman. Oh, boy, you're grouchy. Hi, Mary. Uh, 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 but I mean, let me elaborate a little bit on that. And I'm serious, and I know what you're saying about that, Chris. But we had all those injuries. I, I, again, I think if you look at the Baltimore Ravens and their lack of overall success last year, I think Lamar Jackson would be maybe the least to blame. Unless you want to blame him for COVID, if you want to blame him for the numbers that weren't great. But look who he didn't have around him. He didn't have great talent around him. He had all those injuries. They didn't have any running games. Some of the receivers were hurt. He was hurt. I, again, I, I, I mean, everybody in a way you could say has to prove themselves every year, except if you're no. Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers no. or Patrick no. Mahomes. Yeah. But he, there are other guys that have got to prove themselves. He, I don't think he belongs in the same list. I'm giving you a real hard time. Them. I understand what you're saying. That's I'm okay. giving you a hard time. Now, uh, you know who's got to prove themselves? You know who's got to prove themselves? Carson Wentz. You know who's got to prove himself? Uh, gosh, what's his name? Matt Ryan. You know who's got to prove himself? Baker Mayfield. Those guys got to prove themselves. But they're on the list. I give, I give, I give Lamar Jackson a little bit of a pass for now because of the injuries. But go Google what Lamar Jackson looks like, what he looks like now. The guy is bulked up, looks like he put on 30 pounds of muscle. I mean, that, okay, so, okay. One of the things we talked about with Lamar Jackson is that he might be injury-prone because he runs the ball so much. Mm. And he needs to run the ball to be an effective quarterback. If he's, if You're not going to make him all of a sudden uh, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. He's not going to sit in the pocket. That's not what he okay. does. He, he doesn't, he's, not, it's, he's, he's a good enough passer. He's not good enough to make that 100% of what he does. So he has to run. Now, he's, if you're going to run a quarterback that much, you're not going to last that long in the NFL. And maybe that's why he doesn't have a deal yet, is how long can this guy last? Well, he went in the offseason and said, you know what? Look at me. You know, I look like Arnold Schwarzenegger now. I look like DK Metcalf, that, you know, to help hold up against all the physicalness, if that's a word, in the NFL. 
I know what you're going to say to the statement, but I'll say it anyway. I just don't yeah. know if bulking up is necessarily going to make him that much better. Maybe you'll be able to take and absorb the hits more. Okay. That's what I just said. I know, but that's I, I all. That's I all. That's all. You can absorb the hits more. Kyler I don't know if that Mur- makes look at look at Kyler Murray the way he's built. He can absorb more than Lamar Jackson could if it was Lamar Jackson last year. Have you ever know? Look at Tua Tagovailoa's lower body. My gosh, he's it's he's built like a linebacker. I mean, his legs are. I mean, he's not Robert Newhouse, but I mean, Tua Tagovailoa, Tua Tagovailoa's got a strong, strong lower body. Now, hopefully, his bones and everything, you know, are okay, and he doesn't get injured anymore. But when you look at him, and you look at his lower body and all the problems he's had with injury, it doesn't make sense to me. But I mean, if Lamar Jackson had Tua Tagovailoa's lower body, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I just don't necessarily think that getting stronger is going to make him better. I'll give you one more example. Jalen Hurts has been noted. And I have seen pictures of Jalen Hurts. I didn't say, but well, wait, 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 okay, listen okay. closely. I didn't say it's going to make him better. I said it's going to make him make him more durable, so, which means you can play longer and you can stay on the field. That's okay, because okay, twice you brought it up. So I'm just I'm just I'm helping you out. Okay, helping you out with following along on the show. Let me stick with him for a second on okay. that, because <laughs> I don't think his injuries were a result of him being like Robert Griffin and not going out of bounds and getting hit so much while running. And I might be a little off, but I don't think he suffered any major injuries like that. Again, Robert Griffin did. So, again, even though he'll be able to absorb the hits, as you're saying, and I, I'm not disagreeing with that at all, I don't know if that – I mean, it'll, okay, it has to make him more durable, sure. I, I just don't think that's going to make him better in the long run necessarily. Again, I think he already I didn't is say good. that either. I didn't but, say but that either. But that's what we're talking about as far as But improving. he's good enough. Like I said, he's good enough. He throws for 64% completions, throws a little many too, too many interceptions last year. And maybe that's because he's been, um, you know, been, he, he didn't have a great offensive line. But um, I'm just looking at some of his injuries here. And I, I don't want to read it while I'm on the air. But he's had a knee injury, uh, ankle injury, wow, concussion, lower back injury. Again, another ankle injury um, just last year. So he was, man, he had a lot of injuries last year. He had a concussion, a grade one concussion. He had a lower back problem, and then he had an ankle, uh, an ankle bruise, I guess, in, in last year. So, you know, you get rid of those by bulking up. You get rid of, I'm guessing, those, you know, the the head concussion that can happen to anybody. But your lower back and those kinds of problems, strains and pulls, by being more, more muscular. It helps you out in those situations. Yeah, I can't. I can't disagree with that at all. I. I still think that he doesn't belong on that list from Ryan Clark as many as well as so many other quarterbacks really deserve. I don't think he has to prove himself. He maybe mm. just has to stay healthier. I don't know if that's really proving himself like the other four that Ryan well, Clark mentioned. I I I I, uh, I think Ryan Clark's one of the best. I, I don't too. know how yeah. you or I could actually. Uh, disagree with what he says but uh jay thank you for calling in at 808-296-1420 hey yeah i think you guys may be missing the point on lamar jackson i don't think it's a matter of him proving himself if he's a good player or not i think that uh he everybody knows he is a good player but the thing the thing is is he's up for a contract here this year you know and he's i don't know if it's his fourth or fifth year 
in the league. He's won awards. He's won regular season games, but I think he only has one playoff win. You know, so he's, he's ah, more. He's thank trying to, you. He's trying to get top. He's trying to get top three quarterback money. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he is in the top three or not, that's I think that's really what what uh, what he's trying to say is that he's trying to get top three money. So he has to prove himself that he can not only win regular season games, but take this team further in the playoffs, win games, and potentially win a Super Bowl. That you know that makes sense. He's been 2018 was his first year, so this will be his fifth year coming up and uh you make some that's that's that makes more sense to me thank you for calling in jay that makes more sense to me is okay yeah you can win regular season games how far can we go in the playoffs i get it you had a lot of guys injured last year but what about the year before what about the year before i don't i wouldn't blame him for the lack of success but may ask you this let's put on your general manager hat but you you know what you you, he's the quarterback if you want to pay and and you know what uh, I hope Jay's still listening. He's going to get top three money. Everybody that signs a new deal okay. Okay. is going to get top three money. And, you know, it's it's going to, you know, in another year, it's not going to be top three money. Oh, you know what? we got to take a break. we gotta get got to get a traffic report here. We'll be back to continue this and your text as well at 808-296-1420. We'll be right back. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> Sideline Hawaii app. Hey, by the way, today at nine o'clock. At 9 o'clock, the uh, Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic brackets will be announced. Uh, University of Hawaii will play uh, in the final game on December 22nd. That's day number one. And in the final game on December 23rd. So, uh, anyway, we will wait to see uh, more details on the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, 9 o'clock. You can follow us on social media at ESPN Honolulu. And I am curious on who Hawaii will play. I would be surprised if maybe they give them Iona just because of the Rick Pitino history. Uh, some other good teams coming as well. Washington State, George Washington, Pepperdine, and uh, Utah State and SMU in Seattle. Should be a good tournament. Glad it's going to be back. Hopefully no more canceled games like last year with COVID. Yeah. All right. Uh, coming up, we've got uh, buy or sell. We've got our top stories, one of them involving the former University of Hawaii football player we've got to get to your text i see you guys coming in uh have them coming in here at 808-296-1420 all that and more coming up with the sports animals in the morning on espn honolulu now from the paxa studios in downtown honolulu the bobby curran show on espn honolulu We'll go to the uh, Zephyr Insurance text line coming up momentarily. Top stories today. Uh, Marcus Kemp, former University of Hawaii football player, is signed with the New York Giants. 
That is positive news that at least he gets an opportunity. I know there are already 12 other receivers on their roster as of right now. Uh, let's see. Kyler Murray has a contract that has a homework clause. Can't be trusted. Yeah, can't be trusted. I'd love to see how they're going to verify that. Or are they going to go with the trust system, which I doubt? Uh, yeah. The um, More quarterbacks, and which brings up our current topic, more quarterbacks now in line for big raises, including Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow deserves it. He also, I uh, guess, getting his appendix taken out, we just saw minutes ago as well, should be okay for the regular season and can't complain about what he's done so far in the NFL. All right, we'll go to your text and take some calls, but right now it's that time of the morning. The Bobby Curran Show presents Buy or Sell. Good morning, guys. Let's go ahead and jump straight into buy or sell today. Now, of course, last couple of days, last couple of weeks, it's actually been very popular to be kind of ragging on Lamar Jackson. And via (laughs) The Athletic, an anonymous defensive coordinator went in and says, I don't give a bleep if he wins the league MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be won as a quarterback or QB1 in the NFL by yourself. It's a good thing. This guy is anonymous. If you found out who this DC was, he'd probably be fired right away for that comment. Wow. I'm going to, I'm going to sell that. I think Lamar Jackson does, by the way, Tanner Hayworth there. Thank you. I, uh, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy that. I think that, I think that he can be, and what does QB one mean? I mean, if you're talking about fantasy points, then, yeah, he'll give you a lot of fantasy points. But I think he can be – I think, like we said earlier, I think we both agree on this, Gary, is he's a top-10 quarterback in the NFL right now. I'm going to sell it as well. I re- read that statement yesterday. I don't think the guy will get fired, even though he's anonymous right now. I think it's an, a fair assessment from somebody's viewpoint, but I don't necessarily agree. I think he's in the top part. Right. It's like uh, Jay called a little while ago and said, okay, you can win all the you know regular season games you want, but – how many playoff games do you sure. get us to? Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell? The Bears linebacker Roquan Smith is officially holding in. He is reporting to the Bears training camp, but he will not be practicing until he gets a contract to his liking. This is according to Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. Now, Roquan Smith is one of the best linebackers in the NFL and probably the best Chicago Bear currently on roster <laughs> by yourself. If I'm Roquan Smith, the max amount of money is the in- only incentive for me to stay in Chicago. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy that. <laughs> just, just get out of there. Just get. I'm sorry. There's two days in a row. I'm going to have. We have one angry Bears fan, but just get out of there. You deserve better than the Chicago Bears. I will buy that. Maybe he's holding out for a dome stadium or something like that, just to make sure it doesn't get too cold there. He is really good. I just don't think in the NFL, given that the Bears are going to be that bad five years from now, though they're not showing much improvement yet. Uh, But if money talks, and I think he wants the money, if it happens elsewhere, sure, he'll take it. When have the Bears been good? When's the last time the Bears were good? Well, they were in the playoffs. I mean, five years ago, I think they were in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's an accomplishment. (laughs) I'm not not talking about them being at the top of the NFC, but... Buy or sell. Now, this entire offseason, the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick have been very quiet on who exactly 
is calling the offensive plays. And according <laughs> to Bill Belichick and a lot of Patriots insiders, it seems that Matt Patricia is in the lead for calling offensive plays over Joe Judge. Of course, two guys who we know are pretty great offensive play callers. Just remember the great offenses of the Detroit Lions and the New York Giants from a last year. <laughs> Buy or sell, we are in the twilight of Bill Belichick's career. I'm buying that because I mean, there's a reason why he won't name an offensive or defensive coordinator. Titles aren't important. What he means is, I ain't got anybody else. I'm buying. I think the question was, is he in the twilight? Yeah, I mean, with everything he's accomplished and at his age, I don't think he has 10 years left. I'm not sure if he has five years left. I would think if they won a Super Bowl, maybe just walked off into the sunset. Uh, but that was a little unusual. But Bill Belichick, I mean, you can't really argue with his level of success. But I do agree. I'm buying that he is in the twilight of his career. Buy, 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 buy. or sell. Sell, sell, sell. And that's today's buy or sell on ESPN Honolulu. Tanner Hayworth, Tan Hay, thank you very much. Six minutes after the hour, coming up in, uh, oh, we're going to go down memory lane with Vince Gu. That's a, we, we've gone down memory lane two times. Last hour, we talked with uh, former New York City uh, point god, Kenny Anderson, who played, uh, it was a second overall pick by the New Jersey Nets in 1991. How about that? And uh, there's a, So there's a Showtime documentary. Tell folks about that. Yes, yeah, called New York City Point Gods and about the elite point guards that have been so many uh, over the 80s, 90s, and still today coming out of New York City high schools and playgrounds. Some of them do well in college and the NBA, and they'll be talking about my favorite, Dwayne the Pearl Washington, Mark Jackson, Kenny the Jet Smith, Stephon Marbury, and more. It should be pretty good. I already set my DVR for Friday night at 9 o'clock <laughs> on Showtime. So, folks, if you're going, like, like, who is he talking about? You have to remember, Uncle Gary's up there. People have heard about Stephon Marbury, Mark Jackson, and... Stephon Marbury is the guy with the shoes at Kmart. Yeah, yeah. And he was a really good player in China. Yeah. Okay, who else? Uh, Mark Jackson, who does the oh, announcing the, is a, is a, We know him as an announcer, not a basketball player. Who else? Well, I know him as an announcer and a player. Look, uh, look, Kenny uh, the Jet get, Smith. All right, coming up next, we're going to go down memory lane with Y.A. Tittle. Gary's going to tell you all about him. And the Galloping Ghost... <laughs> Red Grange? Oh, yeah. The oh, highlights you know on all him. him. <laughs> I didn't even know his name. You did it? Oh, boy. Well, I'm, so anyway, uh, coming yeah. up, we're going to go down memory lane for a few minutes with Vince Gu, former Rainbow Wahine basketball coach, as we celebrate Title IX here on ESPN Honolulu. Let's go to the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. Uh, first one in says Lamar, talking about Lamar Jackson, needs to realize that he was hurt last year yes he does deserve the money based on his mvp season but it's just one season he does need to prove himself again to prove he deserves that money thank you eddie i don't necessarily agree i again one thing i think if kyler murray is getting 46 million he deserves more than that i don't think he needs to prove himself just because he was hurt i think he's already done that in my opinion uh hey chris i I like that. I was talking about Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I like that he's not Robert Newhouse. I had to chuckle. I had to chuckle little, little swerve. I mean, you swerve. Don't swerve in the car. Where else are you going to swerve? I guess that you got to be well, when you're walking, depending if you're coming out of one of those. Anyway, I guess that uh, <laughs> one of you got to be over to 50 to catch a joke. LOL. Yeah, I guess so. Guilty as charged. 
Okay. Next texter says, Chris and Gary, from a historical perspective, were running quarterbacks like Elway and Steve Young viewed from the same perspective as Lamar Jackson when they were young QBs? They both ran a lot. Actually, they didn't run a lot. Um, They were quarter. Steve Young and John Elway weren't running quarterbacks. Steve Young and John Elway were quarterbacks that could run. I don't have the stats on Steve Young, but I know that John Elway averaged about 13 yards rushing per game. If you take 34,000 yards rushing over 16 seasons, divide that, and then divide it by a 16-game schedule, you come out with 212 yards a season or 13 yards a game. So John Elway, again, they weren't. he could run. Uh-oh, you need a first down? It's third and three. John Elway, no problem. He's a big dude. I remember standing next to him out by Aloha Stadium one time. I mean, he was he was tall. He was, I was telling these guys off the guys off the air that John Elway, when he was being inducted in the Hall of Fame, I believe it was with Carl Eller. I don't think it was, it was Carl Eller. He was bigger than Carl Eller, and Carl Eller was a purple people eater. All right. Wow. Um, let's see. The texter goes on to say, and thank you for texting in. Also, Young didn't have weapons in Tampa Bay. Of course, he didn't. Uh, nor did. That was a great quote, right? John McKay, the late John McKay, they said, what do you think about the execution of your team? I'm all for it. Loved it. One of the best uh, ever. John Elway uh, didn't have any talent like M- Lamar now. Eh, I beg to differ. I think uh, John Elway had the three amigos, those receivers. Yeah. Running-wise, you know, I was never like, hey, look, look out, here come the Broncos, and look out for Sammy Winder. You know, I, I think they could have done better. I mean, they even went out and tried to get uh, Tony Dorsett in his, you know, his last season in the NFL. It just didn't work out. But didn't they have a thousand-yard rusher? I'm trying to remember his name now for the Super Bowl years. Uh, yes, the guy with the migraines. He played in the Super Bowl yeah. with a migraine. Oh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, he did. And especially, he, he had some weapons. And you know what? John Elway also had a great defense. The Orange Crush defense, Carl Mecklenburg, and those guys. I mean, that 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 helps out a quarterback more than you would know. Right. But thank you for texting in at 808-296-1420. Oh, okay. Somebody just texted in. Thank you for this. We'll check this out. The UH website now has the 2022 fall camp roster posted. Huh? Stephen Fiso and Kowali Nishigaya are surprisingly MIA. Ooh, how's that for the scoop? That is surprising. Huh? A few weeks ago, I looked at a depth chart. I forget what site, and they had both listed as starters, actually. Mm. Which, that was maybe a little surprising to see them out on the roster even more so, though. Let the check Inquiring on minds want to know. Uh, last text for now. Elway and Young were definitely running quarterbacks, Chris. Running? <laughs> what do you, Okay, how do you define a running quarterback? <laughs> to me, D. Dowis is a running quarterback. Whoa. I mean, I, the only guy I can think of. The... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the article that they uh, sent here, so I'll uh, check it out. But thank you for texting in, guys, 808-296-1420. I mean, when you say John Elway was definitely a running quarterback, you can't deny the numbers that he rushed for he averaged 13 yards a game. Is, is that a running quarterback? No. You can't just text in and say, yes, he was a running quarterback. We'll find but, out more on that coming up okay. in a few minutes. I, anyway. Uh, we do have a guest coming up in a few minutes. We've just got a couple yeah. of minutes here. 
Yeah, so one of the things it mentions in that article that the texter sent us is that John Elway's best season was 304 yards in 1987. That's 33 yards. That's the most he's ever had. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you on that. Now, Steve Young seemed pretty elusive. I don't know. I don't think they were as many designed runs, but he was. I think he was a much better runner from my memory than John Elway. Oh, John Elway? Well, John Elway could run. But um, I don't know. I'll look up Steve Young's uh, rushing stats. And just so people – he had 43 – oh, you know what? He ran for fourth – how many – see, because he played for a lot of years, but he didn't start for many. He had 43 rushing touchdowns. That's a lot. But how long – were they one-yard runs? I mean, if they're, if they're all one- to five-yard runs, I, I wouldn't know. call him a good running quarterback based on that necessarily. I would. I would if you can come out and run for 43 touchdowns. That's a lot for a quarterback. You know what? And I'll give you – I'll give you um, his actual – um, cause really how long did he play from 92 or whatever it was? Elway? 1990? No, Steve Young I'm oh, talking Steve. about. Okay. Try and follow along, Gary. Well, you're talking about both of them. Come on. He played from 85 to 99, but when did he really start? His game started, uh, he started 10 games in 91. It was really 1992. So 1992 to 1999, I would say that you could say that he was a uh, running quarterback. I think you could say that Steve Young was. I don't say that John Elway is a running quarterback. No way. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And somebody texted it also. You call tro- Mike, is Michael Vick? Michael Vick is a, would be a, more of a running sure, quarterback. Sure. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. So Colin Kaepernick, a running quarterback. Uh, I don't know. They, they – Colin Kaepernick, a running quarterback? Yeah, I mean, what, I remember what one game. I'm just talking about I, one I'm, game. I'm, I'm just, I'm just misremembering, I guess. I remember the playoff game against Green Bay. I, I think I know it was over a hundred yards. I forget how many yards, but they just couldn't get, they couldn't get near him. And it wasn't just that one game. I, mean, I thought he was a pretty good running quarterback. We saw him do that against Hawaii several times too. I thought he was maybe one of the better ones when he played, as far as running. Steve Young actually threw more interceptions that you would, uh, that you could. Uh, would think i mean his his in 90 in 92 he was uh he was 25 touchdowns seven interceptions that's pretty good then he was 29 and 16 35 and 10 20 touchdowns 11 interceptions Ugh. anyway uh thank you guys for texting in uh we're gonna go down uh, stroll down memory lane it'll be a nice stroll with vince goo coming up with the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. You're listening to the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Text or call the show at 296-1420. Last night I dreamt I was returning And my heart called out Bobby Curran working on uh, getting better and getting back in the seat here. It's Chris Hart. And Gary Dickman, the sports animals on the Bobby Curran Show here on ESPN Honolulu. And this will be fun talking to former Rainbow Wahine basketball coach, now an analyst on Spectrum Sports for the basketball team. Vince Gu joins us. Vince, thank you so much for joining us. And I've never heard the answer to this, but before you started at the University of Hawaii, you were a high school coach at Castle and Kaiser. How did that turn into being the head coach at the University of Hawaii from high school? Well, that was all boys except for one year at um, Kaiser uh, where I was a girls coach because 
I was new to the school coming over from Castle, and, you know, you got to take what's uh, what they tell you to take. So they didn't have a girls' basketball coach. <laughs> but, um, I had what what year was that? Oh, well, that was 80, 85, 86 maybe. Wow. But I had, when I was at Castle, I had met Bill Nepfolk because he was uh, in town house sitting for his sister who lives in uh, Lanikai. And I didn't hear from him for uh, quite a while. And um, then he calls me out of the blue one, one day, and he wanted he asked if I wanted to be his assistant coach. And I said, well, uh, what sport is this? And he said, uh, women's <laughs> basketball. He's, he's the new head coach at the University of Hawaii. And I said, well, Bill, you know, I haven't even seen a women's college game. I haven't been to that. I haven't seen the University of Hawaii and, and Daisy Dung and her team. And he said, "Oh, you're gonna like it. Uh, meet me up, meet me up at gym two tomorrow." <laughs> so I did. And uh, <laughs> boy, first, first time I seen the girls play, they're shooting jump shots from three point. You know, I mean, wow, that was, that was pretty amazing. So I, I you know, uh, he was the head coach, and he had only one position, and that was a part time assistant. And so that's what I, I did. You coach? That's, that's funny. He's, he just goes like, "Ah, oh, you'll enjoy it. Meet me at gym two. <laughs> that's simple. He was a good recruiter. <laughs> you you coached one of the greats ever to wear a uniform, Judy Mosley McAfee. What was it like watching her play in her UH career? Well, not just one of the greats, the greatest. Um, she holds the record for more, most points and re- most rebounds in um, Hawaii basketball history. That's men or women. And uh, actually, Bill recruited her in his uh, last year here. So she came in as a freshman. He was the head coach. I was assistant coach. And then he left after her freshman year and got the job at the University of San Francisco. So I coached Judy for three years. Uh, amazing young woman. But, you know, the thing about Judy is Bill had said, okay, we got this new recruit coming in, Judy Mosley, and um, don't be surprised because uh, she's pretty awkward, not a lot of good, you know, fundamental skills, but you're going to like her. And she came in, you know, she couldn't, she's right-handed, couldn't do a left-hand layup, you know, only went with the right hand, so... I said, I, I understand what you're saying. And she tried a left-hand layup and went off the wrong leg. But, you know, she was uh, someone who got in the gym every day, an hour before practice, worked on her game, and, you know, just uh, just a lot of determination and became the greatest player we ever had. Yeah, unbelievable player to watch. You know, looking over some of your accomplishments at the University of Hawaii, five NCAA tournaments, four WNITs, three-time WAC Coach of the Year, the, the one stretch, though, from 92 to 95, or 92 to 94, 25 and 7, 28 and 4, 25 and 5. Talk about those teams and what made them so special. Um, Nani Cockett. She, she played in, those, in three of those years where we, we won all those ball games. And the year that she didn't play is when she got hurt. She and Tanya Brudden hurt their, hurt their knees in uh, November and December. And they were out, and we went six and twenty that year. But the years, so uh, that was um, Nani's uh, second year as a sophomore. And so the three years that she did play, you know, we we won a bunch of uh, a lot of ball games, um, twenty five, twenty three, and twenty one games. Former Rainbow Wahine basketball coach Vince Gu joins us here on ESPN Honolulu. 
every now and then when people here talk about the NCAA and how they haven't been fair to Hawaii over the years, I think the one one incident they bring up is 92-93 when your team was 28-4, and 17-1 in the WAC, and didn't get an invite to the NCAA tournament. What was it like that year when you had to tell the team they weren't going? What were your thoughts overall on what the NCAA didn't do? Well, you're kind of spoiling my morning right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> we hate to go back and think about that, but I, I vividly remember we're in, in, the, um, in our hotel room because we played Saturday night, finished up our conference tournament, and thinking, okay, we're going to go, you know, at 28-4 and four, and 17-1 uh, and one in conference. So why fly back on a Sunday? We're just going to stay up there and go wherever they're going to send us because we know we're gonna, we aren't going to have a home game. And uh, so we were watching this lecture show, and we weren't chosen. And, uh, well, that was, that was pretty devastating. So we just told the ladies, pack their bags up, going home. And uh, right after that, Judy Mosley called our, our trainer, and I guess she didn't want to talk to me. She was already done, you know. She, mm. she graduated. Uh, she called our trainer at, at the hotel and just had um, asked Don Kuyahara, our trainer, to uh, go in and give her condolences to the, to the team, to the coaches and the team, because she felt really bad about it for us. Yeah, I think a lot of people did, and that still gets brought up from time to time. I'll, I'll, I'll turn it into a brighter accomplishment. I know you you were a teacher first, and I think you've got to be – imagine you're very proud of this, that of all the players that finished their eligibility at the University of Hawaii under you being their head coach, 41 out of 41 all got their degree. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, except it was 41 out of 42 because uh, the, the year – my last year of coaching, we had um, – one junior returning as a senior the next year. So none of our coaches, uh, assistant coaches, went on to the new staff. And so n- not a lot of, you know, um, follow through uh, on the girls. So she was a senior that year, and she needed to uh, take uh, two semesters and graduate, and she didn't do that. So that was our last player that we had that, um, you know, she ended up not graduating. So we're 41 out of 42. Well, Wikipedia has 41 out of 41, so we'll go with that. It sounds a little better. 41 out of 42, still very impressive. You, Coach, you mentioned Nani Cockett, who you work with on Spectrum Sports for Rainbow Wahine basketball these days. Talk about some of the other really outstanding local players that you got to stay home and had great careers at UH. Well, what we did when I first started at the University of Hawaii, I said, okay, we're gonna, let's do this. We're going to go out and get the best players out of Hawaii. I don't care if they're 5 feet 5, 5 feet 4 but we get the best out of Hawaii. And um, then we go and see what we need on our roster to fill it up. And uh, then we go to the mainland and, um, you know, uh, recruit the, the big players or whatever positions we've had. You know, Nani Cockett, Kaui Wakita from the Big Island Hilo High School. She was one of our all-time great athletes. We also had some really good guards. The two best point guards, I think, in the history of um, Wahine basketball was uh, B.J. Itaman and Melanie Azama. Uh, they were, I mean, they were 5'4 and 5'5, five, five, and no one started the, that kind of backcourt before, but we did. And, uh, you know, Melanie, the offensive player, BJ, mostly defense early in her career, um, that created a lot of problems for our opponents. And um, Kale Namohala, you know, she played sure. on our first NCAA team at 6'1. She was our center. And, um, you know, they, they couldn't pronounce her name, so that was real funny. They just <laughs> ended up calling her Kale. Now Mohala, they couldn't do that, you know. So we had some really good players uh, coming out of Hawaii. 
I lived in Hilo during the late 80s, and Kalei actually played on our boys' team in some of the leagues down there. She was that good, and she would dominate at times in that league. She was a fantastic player. I remember her very well. Now an athletic director, I believe, at Pahoa High School, if I'm not mistaken. Um, she's a trainer, yeah, and um, I'm not sure. Maybe she's an assistant athletic director right now, or maybe the athletic director. I haven't talked to her in a while, but she was a head trainer. Um, got her degree at Hawaii uh, in um, athletic training and uh, had a long career with that, and I'm not sure where she's at. Uh, doing right now maybe she could be an athletic director i haven't talked to her for a while what are your thoughts on how basketball college basketball has changed from when you coach to what you see these days um well they got the three-point you know if they had the three-point earlier i think lynette leo um from kohala uh, she was the greatest uh, perimeter shooter I, i've ever seen uh, or, or ever played at Hawaii, and Without a three-point line, and she's like number three in scoring overall for her career, uh, she could hit it from deep. And uh, I, I just wish that uh, maybe there was a three-point um, line when she was playing. And uh, that's one of the, the the big changes in college ball. And then they, someone said they, there's a few dunks here, here and there, but we didn't let uh, allow our girls to dunk. You know, we we said hey, that's anybody can dunk. That's shooting from zero point zero feet range. You know, so. We had them do layoffs instead. It seemed like every time I talk to you, which isn't often enough, the word or the game of golf comes up. How is your golf game these days? Okay, let's, that's the second time you're making my morning really um, miserable. So we can talk <laughs> about something else, Gary. <laughs> not that – are you playing these days? Yeah, playing, but not, not as much, you know, because, uh, well, when you, you're like um, Chris would say this, junk. That's the word I've heard. Uh, when you're junk, you don't enjoy it, so you don't play as much. But uh, I'm trying to get back on the game. Yeah, I'm junk. I'm junk. I, I had I had a four putt the other day. I still play. Come on. Oh, and so what was your score? A five? No, nine, I, on the on, oh on that hole, I think it was yeah. a seven on a par four. And oh, I was going okay. so good. I was going the whole. I was like the 14th hole or something. I was going so well. A day without a triple bogey. Oh, it was beautiful until then. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you how to improve your game on that, um, Chris. Is that, you know, your four putt? Yeah. Hit your first putt like your last putt. And you just one putt. <laughs> Learn that from Guinea Top. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Words right to live on. by. Hey, Coach, this has been great. It's such a great career you had at the University of Hawaii. It's great that we get to see you on Spectrum Sports throughout the season as well. Just good to catch up. Thanks again for joining us today. Hey, appreciate uh, uh, having me on and talking Waini basketball, guys. And, hey, you guys sound a lot more agreeable in the morning than you do late in the afternoon, so keep it going. Okay. You, have to, you, have to, you have to listen in the 6 o'clock hour. We're still <laughs> yeah. waking up and grouchy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Thanks, guys. Thanks, Coach. All right. Thank you Coach. very much. All right, there he is, coaching legend, Vince Gu. Um, just a, one of the greatest coaches, uh, regardless of sport, that we've seen at the University of Hawaii. So thankful that he could come on. I mean, his record is 370, 334 and 116, a 742 winning percentage. That's amazing, and he was that great as a coach. They had great teams back then. You know, I wonder how he did it, though, but he was just, I mean, his whole philosophy was, Get the best local players, and then we'll go. We need height and all that kind of stuff. You know, we'll go to the mainland and get those guys. But first priority, get the best local players. Oh, we all say that, but he actually did it, which is pretty incredible.
It's uh, 7.33 with the sports animals. I think it's time to check our surf today. Weather-wise, it's going to be like yesterday. It was hot. It's hot again. Oh, we got some, you know, the wind blowing out of the east-northeast, but it's a hot wind. <laughs> stay cool, everybody. Stay cool, everybody. Stay thirsty, my friends. Where's that from? What commercial is that from? Stay <laughs> thirsty, know. my friends. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by Dr. Charles Arakaki at Ohana Men's Clinic. Visit drcharlesarakaki.com. I want to get Tanner Hayworth's opinion on this. Crap, crack, crap. <laughs> I meant to say crack, open your mic. Not a crap, open your mic. Crack, open your mic, Tanner. Off the top of your head. Answer right away, first thing that comes to your mind. How many yards per game should a rushing quarterback have? Uh, 50. All right. So according to... Tanner, and like many people, I think that's a good number if you're kind of a running quarterback. There's only one quarterback in the history of the NFL to average more than 50 yards a game, Lamar Jackson. So when we talk about running quarterbacks, and we were talking about Michael Vick, right? Yeah. He was a running quarterback. 42 yards a game, pretty good. You know who's a, the, the, the third most Rushing yards a game. He's currently the Buffalo Bills quarterback, Josh Allen. 38.1 yards a game. That's a rushing quarterback. Yes. Man. So when you talk about Steve Young being a rushing quarterback, he ran for 25 yards a game. I mean, he ran for 4,000 yards total in his career. But I don't know that I call him a running quarterback. I, I did a few minutes ago, but now I'm looking at the stats. When I'm getting texts from numerous people saying that John, numerous people saying, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. John Elway was a rushing quarterback. I don't know, 14.6 yards a, a game. I mean, you remember being in the stands watching Bobby Lane run around. <laughs> hey, he ran for 14 yards a game. Eh, not a. I guess when we talk about rushing quarterback, we're talking about really 25-plus yards if those are rushing quarterbacks, as opposed to quarterbacks who can run to get out of trouble or a quarterback that needs those extra three yards. Like Cam Newton and Ben Roethlisberger, I don't know how many rushing touchdowns they have, but man, Cam Newton's got 75 rushing touchdowns. That's incredible. Nobody even comes close as a quarterback to rushing touchdowns in Cam Newton. Well, when you're 6'5 and 260 pounds, you're going to rush for a lot of TDs, right? Yeah, but it's also the game has changed. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks we're talking about, whether it's Elway or Steve Young or a lot of the quarterbacks from the 80s, let's say, or 90s, they didn't have RPOs back then. They weren't as many designed runs. I think what maybe some well, people – they are, don't have RPO. Who's running an RPO in the NFL? Well, I, I think you could put Cam. I think you put Cam Newton on that a little bit, yeah, with the, with the RPO. I think no, Russell I Wilson so. with the RPO. 
I don't. I don't remember. I, I could be off. I don't remember anybody doing an RPO in the NFL. The run pass option. Yeah. Like Marcus Mar. Th- think of Marcus Mariota at Oregon. Yeah. They're not. I don't see them running that in the NFL. But even when, Maybe. He, when he played at Tennessee, they did it. And when he brought when he was brought in with the Raiders the last couple of years, it was kind of RPO plays, or at least some of them were. But my my point about the quarterbacks from then till now, I I, well, I think what maybe some of the listeners are saying when they're saying that Steve Young and John Elway were running quarterback, I think some of them just had designed runs, some of them didn't. I don't think of John Elway as a running quarterback just because he has those numbers. I think they could be a little deceiving or misleading. Again, if they're two yard touchdown runs, that doesn't to me that doesn't make him a running quarterback. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I just, I just that was kind of a sidebar. Yeah, but I'm I think saying, that might be a different set of listeners. No, I think what we're we're getting away from and somebody just texted in, thank you. Hank just texted in, he said, What about Roger the Dodger? Right? So when you talk about um Roger Staubach and you talk about you know, that weenie friend, Tarkington. <laughs> Two things. I'm getting on the Bears daily. I'm getting on Fran Tarkington daily. Those guys, remember, they ran around a lot. But they were scramblers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of what Fran Tarkington did was run backwards. Right? Okay. And if they caught him, and if they caught him, then that's negative 15 to 20 yards. I mean, those guys ran around a lot, and they were scramblers. So they could escape very well. I don't call that a running quarterback. Michael Vick. And Lamar Jackson, in my mind, are running quarterbacks. But the stats will show you that Josh Allen is a running quarterback. He he, is, he led the NFL in rushing numbers for quarterbacks. I think, not sure if it's the last two years, but last year. I mean, Randall Cunningham I might put in there. But John Elway, yeah. was John Elway scrambling around for those yards? Or was he really just, a, you know, they were calling plays for him? I don't remember him as that kind of a quarterback. I think he was more I'm of a re- scrambler as well. No, they they would run. They would, well, he would run to get out of trouble. That's what I mean. So it wasn't designed play. That doesn't make him a good running rushing quarterback because he was able to escape necessarily. I look at the but, running quarterback like John a Michael Elway Vick could, or Randall Cunningham. John Josh Elway Allen. could also John Elway could also run over you. The helicopter. I mean, you remember, remember? the fam- the main, yeah the famous helicopter in the in the Super Bowl. But John, well, he didn't. He, he he was the nail, and somebody else was the hammer in that case. But. John Elway could run over if you if he wanted to. If he needed a first down, look, get out of the way. Anyway, it was just a, a, a kind of a uh, little discussion we'd be having all morning. I don't know why about uh, running quarterbacks. Now we're gonna traffic check coming up here on ESPN Honolulu, and for some reason, sports stars and real estate and buying new homes has come into the news a lot lately. And um, we'll get into that. An amazing, an amazing price for some of these houses for the square footage and the number of bathrooms in some of these new acquisitions. See, like people are moving, right? There's free agency. You move to a new town. Russell Wilson moves to Denver. So he's got to buy a new house. (laughs) Wait till you see the details on these homes. Coming up, it's the life of the rich and famous. On ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And the Sideline Hawaii app. I wake up this morning at ESPN.com, 
And I see this uh, this this article about um, about Steph Curry. Him and his wife Aisha have purchased a two point one million dollars Central Florida home. Two point one million dollars. It's a it's a forty two. It's four thousand two hundred forty two square feet. It's uh, fifteen minutes outside uh, where the Orlando Magic plays. Four bedrooms, five bathrooms. It has multiple wet bars, a brick terrace, and a gourmet kitchen. Four thousand square feet in Winter Park, Florida. What can you get in Hawaii for two point one million dollars? A fixer-upper in Kamuki that overlooks the beach. <laughs> Russell Wilson. Is that the way to go? See, the only thing is you're in Central Florida, so you got to deal with you, you, you got to deal with critters. It, it, it's you know, it's like there's just reading an article about somebody in Florida. There's a, a crocodile or an alligator that camped in front of their door and then scurried under a car, and the guys had to come and, and wrestle it out from underneath a car. Right. That's the kind of stuff you got to deal with at Winter Park. But for $2.1 million, that's 4,000 square feet of luxury. How's that? It sounds almost inexpensive for a house that you would expect Steph Curry to buy. I, mean, hey, I would have thought it would have been triple that at least or it's more. Super, it's super, super nice. For some re- there's a lot of people, and uh, this is there's an article at ESPN.com about, I don't know, stuff that's been going on in the offseason. A lot of guys got married. Jared Goff, T.J. Watt, um, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I believe, got married in the offseason, the beginning of the offseason. But um, so let's see here. This is a new house. Oh, <laughs> Matthew Stafford, right? Uh, Matthew Stafford didn't buy a new house. He bought two new homes located next to each other. That's cra- I hear that every now. That's crazy. He bought he bought a house. It was uh, actually Drake, the uh, Toronto Raptors super fan. Drake owned three houses in this uh, community, three side by side houses. One, two wasn't enough. <laughs> I guess he didn't want to have any neighbors, so he lives in the one in the middle. That's what it is. You hear that all oh, the time. Oh, is it really? Oh, yeah, okay. the Kardashians do that. I'm not sure if all the sisters have. When you read about them, they buy two or three houses on the block to keep the neighbors away. And it seems to be maybe the trend these days or the thing to do when you're a multimillionaire. Okay, I got Okay, so anyway, uh, Drake put all three homes up for sale in, in Los Angeles for $22.5 million. Two have been purchased for $11 million by Matthew Stafford. Now, one home is 3,600 square feet, five bedrooms, six baths, a heated pool, barbecue pit, a pizza oven, huh? <laughs> and uh, the other one is uh, 2,400 square feet, three bedrooms, three baths, with a private horse trail. Pretty nice. Both smaller than Steph Curry's house and both way more expensive, more than double the price. Well, Steph Curry's in Florida. And this is Los Angeles. True, There's a big true. difference, right? Yeah. Aaron Donald celebrated his new uh, contract by uh, buying a $17 million farmhouse-style spread in the Hidden Hills gated community. It's just minutes from Matthew Stafford and their head coach, Sean McVay. Minutes away. This is a complex. 
This makes what Shaq used to own look small. Uh, in his house, let's see. Uh, in this house, oh, it doesn't show. It just shows it's, it's, it's a huge compound. It basically looks about as big as a, as a, as a block. <laughs> he owns a whole block, and it's just a big house. Okay, Russell Wilson and his uh, wife, Ciara, the singer, Ciara. Yeah. They bought a $25 million house. Now, see, now we're talking. Steph Curry bought a nice big house. It's his second home. He lives in Silicon Valley. But Steph Curry bought a nice home. It's, uh, okay, this is when we go to the East Coast. We have somewhere to stay. Let's buy a $2 million home. Don't worry, honey. It has a uh, has a nice uh, kitchen there for you. <laughs> Russell Wilson. And so they're in a place called uh, Cherry Hills Village in Colorado. Oh, gosh. 20,000 square feet. I think... Where I live, it's 1,100 square feet. It's a townhouse. I got about 50 square feet here. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so, you know, 20 times of where I'm living. Four bedrooms, 12 bathrooms. It's like, that's good if you're like our age because you always got, you, anywhere you go, you got to, anywhere you turn, hey, I can pee. It takes a little while, but hey, all over the place. No waiting. Where's the bathroom? Keep no walking. Waiting. You'll find one. Uh, it's got a nine-car garage. Oh, good. Because those eight-car garages are just way too small. Don't cut it. It has an indoor pool. Okay. A game room, a basketball court, and a theater. If you want to go on Google later when you get to work, when the boss isn't watching, wow, even the basketball court's beautiful. Um it looks like something that a, that a, a king or queen would live in. It how do you? It blows me away, and it looks like it's on property. Twenty, twenty acres at least, of just rolling green hills. Google Russell Wilson's house. If you want to be depressed, Google <laughs> Russell Wilson's house when you uh, when you uh, go to it. But anyway. That's how, that's what the stars do, and uh, that, that, that's their real estate. What Man. gets to me anytime you read about somebody who's rich and famous buying one of these unbelievably big houses is the amount of bathrooms. Twelve bathrooms. I mean, how often do you need twelve bathrooms, let alone five or six? I mean, I know if you have a big party, it'll probably come in handy. But that <laughs> amazes me more than anything else. A lot of these people seemingly have more bathrooms than bedrooms in their houses. And when you get double figures on bathrooms, to me, that shows that you're not really, oh, you can spend the money how you choose. But I find, I find it maybe a little unnecessary to have ten bathrooms or more in a house. Isn't that just crazy? I love it. I love it. I mean, it's great you know? if you can do it, but it just doesn't seem like it's necessary. And I keep reading those numbers, and that makes me more than anything else. The footage, the bathroom, the garage, which is amazing, nine-car, ten-car. But a bathroom or bathrooms of ten or more in a house, unbelievable. I, it's the only problem with 12 bathrooms is you have to clean 12 toilets. That's the problem. If they're but, all used. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you for the text. Somebody said Flomax will help you, Chris. I don't mind saying I had to Google that. <laughs> thank you very much. I guess it will. <laughs> all right. Top stories coming up on ESPN Honolulu. Also, uh, Cowboy fans, we'll get into Cowboys training camp next hour with RJ Ochoa. Uh, that's coming up here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. 
Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Getting into our top stories today with the sports animals on the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Marcus Kemp, former University of Hawaii receiver, not with the Chiefs anymore, but he has signed with the New York Giants. Great to get a chance again. At least he's still in the NFL for now. Hopefully he'll be there in September as well. Yeah, Kyler Murray, the big national story. Kyler Murray, uh, as, uh, in his contract, it was revealed by sources that uh, he has a homework clause. I guess he has a problem doing his homework. I wonder how he's going to respond to the question that he's going to be asked this week as camp opens. Over and over and over again. Unbelievable. Also, the uh, coming up at 9 o'clock this morning, uh, the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic will be announcing their brackets. And John Rothstein of CBS Sports, he's announcing the brackets for almost every tournament and ES, all the ESPN tournaments. He had Hawaii playing Pepperdine on uh, the, the last game of day one of the Diamond Head. So uh, we'll, we'll get that verified in about an hour, but that's what John Rothstein has reported, and he's usually pretty accurate. Why is it being announced at 9 a.m.? If they already know it, why don't they just release it? I think it's it's almost like when you get the draft, NBA and NFL, they announce it at a certain time, but people get leaked information early. Uh, It's a good question, though. I'm not sure why they have it separate. I don't know if they intended for John Rothstein to reveal this via Twitter, the whole bracket, again, for Mm. a number of tournaments. I think you got a mole. I think in in the office over there, you got a mole. There's only, three, there's only three people in the office, so that could narrow it down very quickly. <laughs> three people. I think Daryl Garvin's taking, uh, you know, he's taking some little payments. <laughs> Maybe big payments. Maybe he wants to have a 12-bedroom house, 12-bathroom house. <laughs> We're joking. Stop call. Don't call Daryl Garvin. We're joking. <laughs> Don't anyway, add us. You can go to the Hawaiian Airlines DiamondHeadClassic.com after 9 a.m. and check out the full brackets. Yeah, and I mean, John Rothstein, does, he does have Iona and SMU, Seattle, Utah State, Washington State, and George Washington, but we'll have that verified in an hour. And uh, John also reports about college basketball. The countdown is 104 days away. I know you love the countdowns. Football a lot closer, but basketball not that far away either. All right. With the NFL getting ready for these camps, uh, again, I mentioned this in the first hour, but I find it kind of humorous about what some of the comments are on quarterbacks and how they've improved. One guy I'm really curious about to see, and I think he'll have a good NFL career, is Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he had a bad year last year, but I don't really blame him as much as Urban Meyer and that whole fiasco with uh, Jacksonville. Right, but he got better towards the end. And you remember, they even beat the Colts. Which cost, right. uh, you know, which cost people their jobs over there. He did get better as the season. Well, yeah, as the season went on, he got a little bit better. But you know what? You know, if you're talking about quarterbacks who have to prove themselves, he's got to prove himself big time. I, I agree, and I think with Doug Peterson there, quarterback coach who was with Philly yeah. when they won the Super Bowl, I think that's a good coach for yeah. him. Urban yeah. Meyer was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. It was like a uh, uh, no, he was a jerk. Well, that's what I mean. He was just, if you, you worked you in college, and, you, it doesn't work in the NFL. Kicker is, yeah, the kicker's is stretching. You go up and kick him in the leg. It's, that doesn't work with it. You're, these are adults, Urban. 
And then you're like, oh, okay, you guys go back. Uh, you guys fly back. I'm going to go to the bar. Mm, right, right. And, and, and cheat on my wife. Yes. Perfect storm of what failure there. Jerk. And I, and I like Trevor Lawrence in college. I don't like that he was viewed by some that he was going to be better or that he was better in college than Tua necessarily. And you know, But he was great. I mean, he did a great job at Clemson, that's for sure. And I think he'll be good in the NFL, but I'm not sure if Jacksonville is going to be that much better in the next year or two. They picked up a Christian Kirk, who I mentioned earlier, came from Arizona. They got some other draft picks. And they also got Travis Etienne, the running back from Clemson, who was out all of last year. He didn't right. play at all. I think he'll be a good addition for Jacksonville. And I know they're not in a very strong division necessarily but they could finish ahead of houston at least but that's going to be a fun quarterback to watch i think he'll be much better especially as i said with doug peterson he's a guy i think will show improvement i think he's going to be better than what people saw last year yeah and i think doug peterson's more than just a quarterback guru i think he's more than a quarterback guru i mean he's a he's a he's a he's a good he's a good head coach I think he got wronged by Philadelphia. We heard, we talked about the stories last year where the owner at times wasn't happy that they won a game but not by double figures. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't cover a spread, we heard. Not that he was betting on it. But Doug Peterson would win games and the GM and owner would not be happy about it. That I mean, that that's almost as crazy as the accusations about Stephen Ross telling, allegedly, Brian Flores to lose games. You know, mm. to get a better draft pick. So, yeah, Doug Peterson got a raw deal in Philly. What was it, two years after winning a Super Bowl, they let him go? Yeah. I, I think that was that was a really big mistake. But I think he'll do better in Jacksonville. Again, I don't think they're necessarily going to be where they were with Blake Bortles when they went to the AFC Championship game anytime soon. But I think they'll be much improved. But I think a lot – again, right now, everybody's much improved. I mean, I was listening last night on ESPN Radio where they're talking about uh, the Jets are a much better team. On paper, they are with all those draft picks. I mean, you'd have to be better on paper. But I I looked at the USA Today, and they have projections for win-losses. They have the Atlanta Falcons with the fewest wins in the NFL this year at 2-15. I was reading a a betting site that you turned me on to, and they have that the Atlanta Falcons are projected for four and a half wins this year, according to Vegas, go under. And, I mean, that's – a I mean, betting site. What betting site did I turn you on? Oh, come on. Don't play dumb on that. I'm just joking. There was a betting site that had uh, – uh, I was reading an article I, I, about I, – I, I was interested in what it was. What is it called? <laughs> uh, this, I think it was under Vizen, actually. Vizen. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, and they were just talking about under-overs, but they mentioned how the Atlanta Falcons will not win four-and-a-half games. And they just mentioned Atlanta yeah. in today's article. It was just about them. Well, I hope the Atlanta Falcons win more than four-and-a-half games. I hope that Marcus Mariota can – you know what? With what they have, which is nothing offensively or defensively, if the Atlanta Falcons can win, man, if they can win seven games this year, I would be really happy with that if I was a Falcons fan. Okay, here's their schedule, though. This is why they say it's going to be under. Uh, they have the Seahawks, the Browns, the Panthers twice, the Bears, the Commanders, the Steelers, the Saints. Those are the teams they think they can go 5-3 and three against. But they also have the Tampa Bay Bucks twice, the Saints, the Rams, the 49ers, Arizona, Baltimore, Cincinnati, and the L.A. Chargers. Mm. And according to the writer at Vizen, they don't expect them to win any of those games. Mm. And I, I don't know how you could say they will win any of those games. I mean, there's going to be a surprise here and there. Uh, but that, that's, that's not a high projection for their 
season coming up. They're not blaming Marcus Mariota there. They're just saying where you get rid of a Matt Ryan, you lose Julio Jones, and all the players they've lost, they've never really restocked and gotten really much better. Other teams have. But I just thought that part was interesting about saying they'd be under four and a half wins. Uh, well, we'll we'll see. There's always going to be some surprises there. But they have the fewest wins, the second fewest, according to USA Today. Texans at three and fourteen. The Bears at four and thirteen. Your Pittsburgh Steelers. They're saying are nine and eight. I mean, I'd have to look at their schedule. That's what they were last year, basically. But they they're don't nine, have Ben Roethlisberger, who wasn't great last year. I know. I'm, I'm, I know what you were saying yesterday and throughout the summer about positive things about Mitchell Trubisky I'm not going to believe it till I see that he'll be that I'm not going to believe it till I see it either but I'm just going off of what the experts are saying not you or I sitting in Honolulu Um, Mitchell Trubisky they say I mean there there were other teams interested in Mitchell Trubisky I don't get it but that's what that's what they're saying right now it looks like he might be the starting quarterback Kenny Pitt would not even be second string Kenny Pitt is the quarterback of the future pick it that's why they drafted him right I mean, he's going to be – but they, they don't have a problem at all with sitting him if they have to. That's word from inside camp. So if you're a Steelers fan, you've still got a good running game. You have an improving offensive line. You have a uh, very good defense. You've got guys like, uh, you know, Mitchell, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. And, I mean, the, the defense won the Steelers a lot of games last year. You remember, Ben Roethlisberger had his worst year ever last year. Statistically, it was his worst year as a professional. Yet they finished 9-7-1. and one. Remember, they tied the Lions? Mm-hmm. But the, um, the, the, the defense won a lot of those games. Offensively, they've got the receivers. They've got the running game. They have an improving offensive line. They have the tight end and an emerging star. So... They're just missing that quarterback. And I know that receivers don't make a quarterback, but they can sure help. You mentioned something yesterday, and I admit I was wrong. I was really surprised and had to look, well, listening to you about the Steelers making the playoffs. How did they make the playoffs? Because they were viewed as such a, a struggling team most of last year. And to finish over 500 and even make it to the playoffs, losing to KC was quite an accomplishment, I think. With Ben, not like you said, it was his worst year ever. And still they were able, and Juju was out almost, was he out a lot of games last year with an injury, I think? I don't know. Juju Smith-Schuster was good as rookie year. I, I'm not a big – I don't even know where he – where did Juju go KC, again? Kansas City. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been a – I. he's good. And, you know, he, he did well. But I don't know that – the Steelers are going to be fine without Juju Smith-Schuster. With Deontay Johnson and uh, Chase Claypool, if he can grow up a little bit. And they've got, like I said, uh, Freermuth. I can't remember if it's Freermuth or Friermuth, but the tight end that nobody really knew anything about, and he's turned into a uh, big favorite uh, for Steelers fans. But um, you're talking about their schedule, right? I mean, you were talking yeah. about the, how the Steelers were struggling. They're well. I mean, they they looked to be last the, year. The Jets struggled. The Bears the struggled. Stink. Jacksonville struggled. I, well, those teams are just really bad, but I, I thought the Steelers were, I mean, especially in that division last year, even though Cleveland didn't do that well with Cincinnati having a great year. I just rem- remember them having much success last year. So to hear 9-7-1, and one, that's actually not bad, all things considered. All right. I'm just I'm just trying to look up their, uh, their uh, schedule for 2021, 
And when you're doing, when you're looking at their schedule, by the way, we'll have a traffic update uh, in a moment. And uh, we are going to talk to Arch, our RJ Ochoa from the Blogging the Boys podcast, talking Dallas Cowboys coming up. I mean, Pittsburgh starts the season off by beating Buffalo. They, then they lose to the they, three losses in a row. So maybe you're thinking at the beginning of the season they were one in four. They lost to Vegas, Cincinnati, and Green Bay. Uh, then they won four in a row. Uh, then they tied to the Lions. Go figure. Then they lose to Cincinnati and L.A. again. And then it's just like win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. It was, you know, basically just over a 500 season at 9-7-1. and one. They ended up by beating Baltimore in overtime. They beat Cleveland. They could not beat Cincinnati last year. Cincinnati. Who, who would you say would be their MVP from last season? It wasn't Ben, obviously. Was the MVP the defense? I'd give it to the entire defense. Okay, okay. Yeah. And they're projected, by the way, 9-8 and eight this year uh, by USA. They're not making the playoffs. The wild card team. Right. Mm-hmm. Are, are you, are just the finish AFC. your list. i got to move on. Go the ahead. Ch- Chargers, Bengals, and Patriots are the three wild card teams, according to USA Today. All right, we're talking about quarterbacks today, and uh, a lot of uh, it was discussion on Lamar Jackson. But um, you had mentioned that Joe Burrow just had uh, surgery. I'm not sure if he had. It was announced today all over uh, Twitter that he's getting his appendix taken out. I'm not sure if that's today or this week, but it'll happen very soon, if not today. All right. So, but here's a guy. So he's been in the league, what, two years? Two years. Two years. And now Mike Brown, the president, says the team's focus is to give Joe Burrow a contract extension. Man, they're getting earlier and earlier and earlier on these uh on these on these extensions i mean he did he had completed 70 percent of his passes 4600 yards 34 touchdowns he did have 14 interceptions which is a little high on in my book um they're currently entering the third year of his rookie contract he averages remember he was the number one overall pick right yeah so he averages 10 million dollars a year but i think what they're trying to do is if we wait two years this is going to be a hundred million dollar a year guy. I mean, it's not going to stop. We're at fifty million right now. If he keeps putting up numbers like that, you won't be able to afford him in five years, or you can afford a quarterback and nobody else. I mean, maybe they they, they got to change the salary cap, or they got to do something. Because if you have one guy making fifty million dollars, how does that? How do you afford anybody else? We talked about Green Bay yesterday with their top three players. It seemed like they added up to over – well, Aaron Rodgers is at 50. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I think for Cincinnati, they've been known to be rather a uh, rather cheap team as far as spending over the years. So they, they're looking at exactly how you said, pay them a little bit now or a lot as opposed to paying them a way more, way higher amount four years. So now we're coming off a Super Bowl win. is probably a smart – not a win, a, a game. It's probably a smart move on their part to make that deal now if they can. If you're Joe Burrow, you might want to wait a little bit if they're not going to offer over $50 million. And how, I mean, you're going to offer him $50 million? I mean, I mean, these guys haven't been in the league that long. I know they're, he's, he's great that last year. Maybe not super great, not an all-pro first team. but Ooh, he really Joe helped. Burrow? Yeah. Did you hear the numbers? Yeah. But he wasn't all pro okay. first team, I don't think. It had to be Brady and Brady had hey, over you know five thousand yards. Who 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 cares? I, here's a guy in his second year throwing for forty in a traditional running offense, throwing for forty six hundred yards and thirty four touchdowns, seventy percent completion, and he's not dinking and dunking either. 
That's, that's pretty impressive for oh, a second-year guy. It is. He can it, only get better. He, he should. I think they improved their offensive line in the offseason, so he should get better. This I, I past offseason, yes. I, I, don't, I, don't, yeah, I don't know if he's a – I mean, I guess you could say he's a $50 million guy, your guy because everybody else is going to be getting that and then some. And I'll even use Kyler Murray as, as the bookmark. But the, um, if he's making 46, then Joe Burrow definitely deserves more than that. And it's just – I mean, it is yeah. going to keep increasing. And I, I, I have said for years that it has to level off at some time, but it hasn't slowed down at all. And I think, I mean, it sounds crazy, but I think in, I don't know how many years, we're going to get a $100 million a year player, whether it's the NBA or the NFL, which is, I mean, it, it sounds incredible, but when we hear $20, 30000000 million, that's underpaid now, and five, six years ago, that was an enormous contract for somebody to get that much. Now it's like you don't even, you know, think twice about a guy making $20, 30000000 million at the top of their game in any of the sports, really. It's right. an average pay. Talking- Right. I mean, his rookie quarterback is is nine point nine million annually. So ten million dollars a year on your rookie deal. That's but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't if we're at 50 million now next year, somebody is going to be at 60 million. We're going to look in two years and go, wow, Patrick Mahomes is so good, but he's like one of the lowest paid quarterbacks. I'm not <laughs> and I'm not even exaggerating. I know. We're it sounds be, crazy. Though. We're going to be having that conversation. So even more so, regular fans won't be able to ever attend games. You'd have to save up a lot of money to afford a ticket. Honey, kids, sorry, we can only afford one ticket. Uh, Drop me off and pick me up because we won't be able to afford the parking either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That's going to be more than the tickets are nowadays. Yeah, it's 17 minutes after 8 o'clock with the sports animals. And we got something new. We wanted to invite you to join Jackson Apana and Hunter Morimoto. It's a, a series called Little Cakey Ask Big Questions. And they're joined by former Rainbow Warrior outfielder Cole Cabrera. And they ask him the tough questions you're going to want to see. You can catch the show at ESPNHonolulu.com or our YouTube page. And it's brought to you by Dairy Gold Milk. The Bobby Curran Show is brought to you by PVT Land Company, supporting academics, athletics, and the community on the Waianae Coast. Breaking news. Breaking news? I'm pointing to you. Oh, well, uh, breaking news, I'm not sure if you're talking about the Live Golf Tour. Is that uh, breaking news? Um, that's not breaking news, but one thing we just wanted to follow up with from yesterday, with Charles Barkley uh, maybe getting a job with Live Golf, he says Thursday is his deadline. If they don't give me an offer by the time I leave that pro-am, I'm out. He also said if they give me $60 million a year, there'll be no questions asked except where we're having dinner because he'll definitely take that if they triple what he's making now. He said if those guys are making, like, Phil Mickelson money and all the other guys, he would love to have it, but he wants to give TNT an answer before it's too late. So right. So what, you, what were we just saying off the air? That was what I was trying to get at. About, about Gary McCord? Gary McCord, longtime CBS announcer, uh, he is meeting with Greg Norman for the third time this summer, and he could be joining as an analyst as well. He left CBS in 2019, said it has nothing to do with money. I don't believe him, but we'll see if he's another addition to the Lip Tour. 
Well, I don't see. I know the name, but I don't remember him. But the um, he was Jim Nance is like the main guy. Maybe he was an analyst, or maybe he was a guy on on holes or something like that. You know, like a Colt Nost or something. I don't know. Uh, but I wonder if they're talking to him again because they're not going to sign Charles Barkley. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I, I wonder what their limit would be. Uh, I mean, Barkley even says, I want to do both. And I know what you said yesterday, and it makes sense. It's almost impossible for him to do both just because of the sponsorship no, it, with no, TNT. No, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> well, that, that might be the reason because he says he likes to do both. That would be his perfect situation. I'm not sure if that will be able to be accomplished. So maybe that's no, why they have it a plan it's B. It's impossible. It is impossible because, his, you know, I just saw him on a subway ad like three times last night. I mean, he's got all these endorsements. Those guys are going to cut ties with him. And then he's got this, the TNT sponsors of the NBA that don't want him to go over to the – that if he does, they don't want to be a part of him. So it's a, it'll be impossible. By the way, uh, yesterday Sergio Garcia changed his mind. You remember he was being a whiny-pouty, um, whiny-pouty uh, Kyler Murray? <laughs> Did it because do he, didn't, he didn't feel loved. He didn't feel loved by the European Tour, what's known now as the DP World Tour. Now, he already resigned from the PGA Tour. You remember him before he left. I can't wait to get out of here. The, 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 the rules official didn't agree with me. I can't wait to get out of here. I'm going to scrub my Facebook page. Anyway, so now he, he said the same thing about the DP World Tour because the head of the DP World Tour said, you know, I don't know if you're going to be able to play here. We, we haven't decided that or not with Live Tour. Not you, but Live Tour golfers. So he said, oh, I don't feel loved, and I'm probably going to leave. Now he says, no, I'm not going to leave because um, they haven't kicked me out yet. And uh, and uh, even though I'm probably not going to be a Ryder Cup member, uh, just in case something happens, maybe I get into the Ryder Cup. So I'm not going to I'm not going to resign from the DP World Tour membership. It sounds like the only reason because he wants to be on the Ryder Cup. I would, you would have thought he would have known that when he made that announcement. He's not good enough. He's not good enough. Mm. Come on. <laughs> just Sergio, just go away, please. You New feel- Orleans Saints Andy Johnson and running back Mark Ingram. We're doing sports shorts. They've agreed on a new, I guess, some kind of jersey deal. You see, Mark Ingram, uh, he plays for the Saints, right? Yes. And I guess his number twenty-two was not available when he went to the Saints. He wanted to wear number twenty-two. There's a defensive back or somebody that has a number 22 so that's not an option now he didn't want to get a number in the 30s because it makes him 30s or 40s he said because it makes him look fat so he wanted to you know he wanted to i guess he was going to wear number 14 reluctantly it was the only number in the teens available i guess so he didn't really want it but he said i guess i'm going to rock number 14 well andy dalton comes to town and that's his number and so Somehow number five became available, and now Mark Ingram's going to wear number five. Oh, because it came available because he weren't allowed to wear it before, a single-digit number. Now you can. So now he's going to rock number five. It's going to make him look thin. Andy Dalton gets his number 14, and everybody in camp is a happy camper because Andy Dalton was going to scrub his social media too if he didn't get the number 14. Can a running back make it wear 14, though? There's no limitations at all? They can wear five. He's wearing five. He's but I've seen five. I've seen single digits for a running back. I didn't think I ever saw a fourteen though for a running back. I didn't know that would have been allowed. Yeah, I guess it is. Um, this is big news. I can't believe we waited until eight twenty six to announce this. 
Alex Atantecumpo, the brother of Giannis and Thanasis, has been traded to the Milwaukee Bucks G League affiliate. Huh? You see, it's like that Disney. There's a movie about Disney, about the Atantecumpos. They're all together. And they're all together again. I wonder if they did that. And I'm seriously, I mean, the guy might be a good player. But I'm wondering if it's like, hey, you know what? Let's make Giannis happy and bring him. You know, I mean, because where, where are they? The, um, let's see. He played. Where is their Where is their G League affiliate? Is it? It's not in Milwaukee, is it? It wouldn't be in the same. Oh, city. it is. It's the, it's, the it's, the, it's the Wisconsin herd. Okay. So he's close by. Yeah. So so he can live in one of Giannis's, you know, fourteen bathroom homes. In the bathroom. And there's plenty of room for Thanasis, I'm probably saying his name wrong, Giannis, and Alex. By the way, he, he appeared in 15 games for the Raptors G League affiliate last year. He averaged a whopping 2.6 points, 1.3 rebounds, shot 50%, played about seven minutes per game. So it's a project, but I like the fact that they brought him over because, uh, you know, part of it is it's a bummer because maybe he's taking somebody's spot who – might be better and deserves to be there, if you will. Or I just like the fact that it's like they brought all the Atentacupos together. I think that's very nice of them to do. If they did it and he's taking the roster spot, I think that's awful. And they don't really have to make Giannis happy by doing that now. They already gave him the Supermax deal. They can be as happy as he can be. Uh, and I, I wonder if that's part of the reason. I mean, with Thomas, the other Thomas, the other brother, I think he used to play for the Lakers and they got him over there. Mm-hmm. Uh doesn't seem like he's that good, but he is young, so maybe there's still time for him to get better. But two and a half points a game doesn't sound that exciting. No, it's it's not. It's not. But um, anyway. I want to see that Disney movie on the three brothers in Greece, so that sounds interesting. Oh, Tanner just texted. He's he's being shy. He's not opening up his mic. He's just texting. He says, uh, unfortunately, Costas is the only one missing of the Atentacumpo brothers he plays in Greece. Also, Costas played for the Lakers before. Thank you, Tanner. Okay. The the basketball guru was yet wrong again. Now, if they get it's Costas kind of a theme on the Milwaukee for this show Bucks. today. No, not really. Theme Finally, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, no relation to Gordon, I'm assuming, pitches uh she she wants to build a dome over Soldier Field in hopes of the Bears not relocating. Now, the uh, Dome Stadium, which could cost anywhere between $900 million to $2.2 billion. Man. Now, there's three options for construction of this dome. Uh, a fully enclosed dome, rebuilding both end zones with columns that can support a dome structure. The second would require both end zones to be rebuilt with columns, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, the... Um, the third option, though, is for modifications to make Soldier Field a multi-purpose stadium suited to host soccer games while also making it viable location to accommodate major concerts and a range of events. Why can't you have that in option one or two? I mean, look, you're going to spend $2.2 billion on a dome stadium, and it's going to – I don't think it sits empty. I mean, it's the third largest city in America. There's all kinds of events yeah. that you can put in there. 
They're going to expand seating from 61.5 to 70,000, quadruple the food and beverage space. They're going to make it much nicer. However, I had a personal conversation with the – I'm sorry. I did my Stephen A. I'm getting silly now. Anyway, the the Bears already bought some um, land at Churchill Downs. Right. 326-acre Arlington Park. It's in the Arlington Heights. It's um, I guess the, they had a racetrack there. That's gone. It's 30 miles northwest of Soldier Field. And that's really what they're looking at as far as their future. They don't want to play at Soldier Field. They, they just spent all this money, and you're trying to get them to stay? I don't understand why. I mean, if it's 30 miles away... And what would that be? From here to the North Shore? Iaea to North Shore? Something like that? But it's out of the city. I told you a field is right on the outskirts of the city. I mean, so I think it's maybe easier to get to. I'm not sure if that's totally accurate, but it's, it's in I Chicago. I, I bet, but I bet there's hardly any parking and everything else like that. But in the most, do you in have subways city, going to yeah, it? And you'll have like mass that. transportation and stuff like that. So why uh, do you why do you want it in the city? I guess more money for your city vendors and things like that. I mean, me, are you not the Chicago Bears anymore? But it's thirty miles out, so it's a another mayor would be benefiting. I don't I don't understand how this works. That wouldn't I don't think it matter that much. I mean, the New York Jets and Giants don't even play in New York, and they're still in New York. You know, they're, right, they're in the but they, they, they pay taxes in New York because that's where I'm guessing that's where their facilities are, right? They're, no, are the facilities, facilities are in New, Jersey. in New Jersey. Yeah, they're all in New Jersey. Wow, I, so they're not even in New York. No, but they're seven miles from New York, and still a lot of people have a, a problem with that, mostly people in New Jersey, and I don't blame them. You don't even play there, but it, it's close to that market, so for branding and marketing, it probably helps out more being the New York Jets and Giants than the New Jersey Jets or Giants. If, well, if if you're if if New York doesn't get any benefit, does it, the city of New York get any benefit, or the state of New York get any benefit by the from the Jets or Giants? Not that I can think of. No, I mean nothing is conducted there. I mean even the, the when they win I'd a Super Bowl, I'd sue them. It's like don't use our name. <laughs> but you know, I don't know if that's something you could have copyright. Uh, infringe or copyright rights infraction because it's New York. It's not like you're talking about something that would not be allowed, right? You're Same. talking. It's it's common law. You can use any city. So why do the Denver? Why don't the Denver Broncos call themselves the Sacramento Broncos? Because Denver is a bigger city and it's where they play. I know what you're saying about that. I know but it, Sacramento that, is the capital of California. I'm, I'm going to with this. One I thing just, I wonder it, with the Bears, it's though, it's just funny. Why? Why? I mean, tradition-wise, they call themselves New York because they're I close know. by New York. I get it. It's stupid, But at the though. same time, it's it's silly. You, you're not in New York. You don't live in New York. You don't practice in New York. You don't play in New York. You're not in New York. One argument was years ago that New York wanted the Super Bowl parade to be in New York since they're the New York Giants. It wasn't for the Jets, unfortunately, for the Giants. <laughs> I don't remember how that was resolved, but the New York, I think the mayor of New York at the time was complaining about it. But going back to the Bears, so I wonder how – I think it's called a purchase agreement. Is it a deposit? Can they get any money back if they want? Mm-hmm. Questions uh, we don't have answers for, but we do have some answers for Dallas Cowboy fans. We've got a special guest for you coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. 92.7 FM and 14:20 AM. Follow us on Twitter at Bobby Curran Show. This is ESPN Honolulu and the Sideline Hawaii app.
We are efforting to get R.J. Ocho to talk Dallas Cowboys football, and hopefully we'll get him on here in just a minute. One thing I just noticed a few minutes ago, when I look at his Twitter page, uh, there's a comment from Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley, former Dallas Cowboy, now former Buffalo Bills player, and uh, he said, I would play with, I'd like to play with Dak Prescott. And uh, I'm not sure if the Cowboys would want him, but that's something that has come up. And that's one thing I wanted to ask RJ about. They lose in the offseason Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson now with Miami, of course, Amari Cooper with the Cleveland Browns. And they still got some really good guys there, C.D. Lamb amongst them. But I wonder if Cole Beasley could work out with Dallas. I know people, some weren't happy with his uh, vaccination deal, kind of like a Kyrie Irving thing, although at least he – I know he played with Buffalo. I don't think he had to miss any games, but I don't believe he wanted to get vaccinated there. I thought he retired. He, I think he was just not re-signed by, uh, oh, by okay. Buffalo. Oh, so okay. he, he tweeted out earlier that he would uh, play with Dak Prescott again. He would like to play with him. And so we'll see if there's anything to that. Again, it's just his comment. And uh, we'll see if there's any more to that. But I think they could use another receiver, even though they've got some talent there. Losing those two guys that I mentioned, I think, is somewhat of a loss for the Dallas Cowboys. And oh, you know, they got some pretty good receivers on that football team still. C.D. Lamb is, is the leading receiver, of course, for them right and now. And what's his name, Gallup? Is it Gallup? Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup, Michael yeah. Gallup is a quality-wide receiver. That's why they can get rid of it. I think they'll be fine. They got a good running back in Pollard. Yeah. I think Ezekiel Elliott's, I think he's done. You know, that's one thing I want to ask RJ about, too, and hopefully we'll get him on. He had over 1,000 yards last year. He had 10 touchdowns. He averaged 4.2. Wow. It doesn't seem like he had a good year yeah. last year, and I know what it you didn't, mean by it that. Didn't, it didn't seem like he was the best running back on the team. There were certain games where Pollard got more carries, which was surprising right. in itself, when Elliott was healthy and, of course, more productive. I guess it would be fair to say that Ezekiel Elliott is on the uh, – Last part of his last part of his NFL career. I don't think he has many more years left. But still, when you look at last year, especially the fact that he split time with another running back and got over a thousand yards, and it was only a thousand and two. But still, it was over a thousand well, yards rushing. That's not too how bad. many games. Well, how many games was it in? How many uh, games did he play? I'll get that in just a second. Uh, but still, I mean, even even if he played in all seventeen, that's not that bad to get a thousand four point two a carry is not great but it's still good i think anything over four, four point yards two, yeah four that's that's really good man but again i mean compare him compare him with uh what's his name is it pollard tony tony pollard tony pollard um he played in yeah i don't have any games but he had maybe because maybe because he had two touchdowns last year i don't know elliot but, played in um, all 17 games last year wow okay but I have it with ten touchdowns last year uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. But uh, oh, I'm sorry, two receiving touchdowns. Yeah, so it's, it's not that bad. But I, I agree. I don't. I don't think he's. I mean, he's, I think his best years are behind him. It looks like. And again, a thousand is not Man, that but bad. It, but he, see, but when you say that, because I'm just going off of you know maybe a couple of games I've seen. But I mean, he's just as good as he was, you know, the past four years. I mean, he gained. He had in 2016. He had five yards and a carry. But, I mean, he was 4-1, 4-5, 4 Interesting. And those were the fewest amount of carries he's had as a Cowboy, the 237. That's because of Tony Pollard there. So he split the reps maybe, but his numbers were overall not too bad at all. So uh, hopefully he'll be – I mean, for Cowboys fans, I don't think you want him to 
go downhill that fast. But, again, the numbers are pretty productive. And if you have two running backs that can give you that kind of production, you're in pretty good shape. To me, they're in a pretty – I don't think there's such a thing really as an easy division, but I think it's one of the easier divisions in the NFL overall. I mean, you got the Philadelphia Eagles who made the playoffs last year, losing to Tampa Bay, but the Giants and Washington, Giants, until they get better, are pretty bad. They're really the same as the Jets. Washington isn't much better, and I think there are a lot of question marks about Carson Wentz, how good he will do there. Uh, Philadelphia, and I think they've improved in the offseason, but Dallas still should be the division winner almost I don't want to say easy, but they should be in the playoffs again. The problem with them, remember last year, they played the Niners in that first game. Really bad clock management on that last drive by Dak Prescott. And that kind of cost, although it shouldn't come down to one play. And the Niners were on a roll at that time. Finished the regular season strong, and as we know, made it to the NFC Championship game. So it wasn't that bad for Dallas, but the Dallas Cowboy fans obviously not happy, which makes Mike McCarthy on one of the hottest seats in the NFL. I would say if he doesn't win a playoff game this year, he's going to be gone. And if they don't make the playoffs, which I don't see possible, I don't think they'll make it as a wild card necessarily, uh, I think he could be gone as well. There were people that were surprised he's still there this year. And I know Kellen Moore is waiting in the wings, and a lot of people think he'll be a head coach somewhere soon, if not Dallas, somewhere else. So they might uh, have to get Kellen in there. But I, Mike McCarthy is really on a short leash, I would say. I don't think he has make yeah. much of a uh, margin for error with the Cowboys this year. But think again, about hopefully, what he's do- think about what he's done in his career. He's coached, hasn't he? Coached two Hall of Fame quarterbacks in Brett Favre. Wasn't he the coach yeah, when yeah. Brett Favre was there? And Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, shouldn't you have more Super Bowls than – what does he have? One. Wow. Yeah, one Super Bowl win. That's crazy. But then you can say the same thing about Aaron Rodgers when everybody anoints him as one of the greatest ever, and I think he's up there, but he's only won one Super Bowl too. He hasn't been that great in the playoffs really in his career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's one thing about him. And, and, uh, and But it's never his fault, though. Keep that in mind. It's never Aaron Rodgers' fault. I, I hate those comments. Not from you. I'm just, I, I think that's always a collective thing. Uh, you win as a team, you lose as a team. They use a cliche, but Mike McCarthy though ha- should have more success. And again, especially in that division, I don't should... understand why they even hired him. What 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 what, what did he bring? Experience and a Super Bowl. See, I remember when he got hired. That's what kept getting mentioned: a Super Bowl win, a Super Bowl win, a Super Bowl win. I mean, who else out there that was available then had a Super Bowl win on their resume? Probably not that many. Uh, I mean, those guys aren't always available. But I think it was a mistake in hindsight. I don't think Jerry Jones has done a great job um, hiring coaches. I think no, Bill Parcells hasn't. was a good coach, but, right. but Jerry Bill, interfered the, a lot. The two best coaches that he had, they left because they couldn't stand Jerry meddling. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson and Bill Parcells. They said, you know what? Forget it. I'm out of here. You even so had every- Barry Switzer for a year or two, and he won a Super Bowl, and he didn't last. Well, Barry Switzer, he didn't last. He was, his old, he was, like, he was Jerry's old friend. Yeah, right, right. So hey, right. you know, come, you know, come coach with me or whatever. But, you know, look at the 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 players that Barry Switzer had, it was impossible to mess that thing up. Yeah, but I think even with the Cowboys over the last 3 years, I'm not saying they no, were a Super all Bowl of the team. years. Look at all of their coaches. They were all yes men. That's who all of their coaches have been. Jason Garrett, right? Well, I don't know. Jason Garrett was there I was really surprised, but I mean before that some of those guys that were Chan Gailey's of the world and stuff like that. It was just it, – it, it, it's an embarrassment. Did they have I mean, – Wade Phillips, I think, was there as well. Wasn't he a head coach? Sure, sure. Wade Phillips is a horrible head coach. <laughs> okay, but you, and you look at the team.
teams that Mike McCarthy had, you've had receivers, you've had a good offensive line, you have running back, you have Dak Prescott, and you had a good defense. I know they had injuries. It seems like Sean Lee was injured every year. Some years they had a good defense, not all years. They should have been better than they were overall. And Mm. you have to blame the head coach for that, I think. Oh, he has to take the majority of that blame at least. And that's why I think it's pretty obvious. He's he's probably the NFL coach who doesn't have a room for error. If he doesn't make it this year, I can't see him coming back more than anybody else. I think Matt Rule is on that same uh, hot seat, and there's some others. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. And the Sideline Hawaii app. All right, got a few more sports shorts for you as we end it out. Let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy at 12 noon. Josh Pacheco in the afternoon at 3 here on ESPN Honolulu. And, uh, oh, I did want to let you know that um, the Blood Bank of Hawaii needs 200 donations daily. And here's how you can help. On Oahu, make an appointment to donate at Waikele Center, Kapolei Commons, Windward Mall, on Young Street or Dillingham Boulevard as well. Visit bbh.org to schedule your donation. And this message brought to you by Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union and ESPN Honolulu. A Mickey Mantle rookie card could break auction records. A mint condition Mickey Mantle rookie card could get over $10 million at an auction next month. Now, the card is a 1952 card in mint condition. The guy selling it bought it 30 years ago for $50,000. How's that equity? (laughs) Now he's hoping to cash in. He says, my family's enjoyed it enough, and it's time for someone else to have it. (laughs) Really? Or it's like saying in the live tour, I'm joining the live tour because I can spend more time with my family and do other things that I want to do in life. Come on. It's worth $10 million. You bought it 30 years ago. It doesn't mean anything to you anymore. How many times can you sit there and look at it? Come on. I know. That's like Gary McCord saying for the Live Tour, I told my agent, I don't care about the money. It has nothing to do with money. Yes, it has everything to do with money. Those dollar amounts for baseball cards are just unbelievable. When I was growing up, I used to collect them all the time. My aunt even worked for Topps. I used to get a lot of them free over the years. And when they started becoming a big deal, I started selling whatever I had left. I wish I would have kept some of them now because I, I didn't have a Mickey Mantle card that I remember, but I had like a Roger Maris card, Roberto Clemente card, a Hank Aaron card. And if you keep them in mint condition, I mean, maybe not $10 million, but you can sure get a lot of money. It's amazing what kind of business that has become. Uh, $10 million really tops because I think like <clears throat> Ty Cobb, Honest, Wa- Honest Wagner, those cards are going for like five, $6 million, which is incredible. Even those amounts are incredible. I mean, it's just a baseball card. But still, yeah. you're going to get that much money hey, out of it. it it's, that's, that's what collectors do. They collect stuff, you know. And uh, it's the – anyway. We were talking about I – I mentioned out loud – thank you, Tanner, for sending this. I was talking out loud. Why doesn't somebody sue the New York Jets and the New York Giants for using the words New York when they're not located in New York? Well, apparently, uh, there are a couple of fans who are uh, have a six – well, I don't know. They, 
$8 billion, $6 billion lawsuit against the New York Jets and the New York Giants. Now, in their lawsuit, they're looking for $2 billion in monetary damages and $4 billion in punitive damages, claiming false advertising and deceptive practices. And one plaintiff, described as an avid football fan, claimed that he was shocked to learn that the Giants played and operate in East Rutherford, New Jersey, when he bought tickets. <laughs> it's a class. It's a case action lawsuit. Uh, they're looking to represent anyone who has attended games at MetLife Stadium since 2016. All right, now, Jets money and Giants. Yeah, the Jets and Giants. They're uh, not taking kindly to this lawsuit. Anyway, uh, they're trying to have this thing dismissed, but. Uh, to answer my question earlier, yes, people are in New York, I guess, upset, at least two of them, and they want billions of dollars for false advertising. I either, bought tickets to the game, and I found out they're not even from New York. Either he's a really big liar or he's really, really naive, uh, dumb, or whatever, because everybody knows where they play. And if you're an adult, a teenager, you know that they play in New Jersey. So I don't think there's any merit to that. I don't think they'll get a dime from them. And it's, it's interesting. Again, there are people who are upset about it. Nobody's going to take them to court, though, and especially well, take them to court think, and try to get any money out of it. I think what I think what their lawsuit was doing was in, in first was saying, hey, we're suing so you get back in New York. Move from New Jersey to New York. Oh, you don't want to do that? Okay, we're going to sue you now for now $6 billion. The lawsuit's not going to get them to move. There's really no well, good stadium if, there. If they can, if they can win the lawsuit, they could buy the New York Jets. <laughs> well, that actually, they buy. It's it's like uh, it's a bogo. You buy one get one free. You buy the New York <laughs> Giants, and they throw in the Jets as well. So that's the deal. All right, uh, coming up once again today. Let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy at 12 noon and Josh Pacheco on at three o'clock. And if you miss any of the shows. You can uh, get the podcast at ESPNHonolulu.com. We will see you tomorrow morning at 6 here on ESPN Honolulu. That's 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Say goodnight, everybody.